3: and happy Halloween week. It is your Tuesday episode of The Winkley, and we are teed up to give it to you here today. Slammed into your ear holes, as I like to say. I am your managing editor for Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman. Back here, like I said, it's Tuesday, but unlike usual on Tuesdays, Michael Weissman is not here. Instead, he is joined by our other very good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome to the Tuesday episode of The Winkly.
1: So this is what the Tuesday Winkly feels like.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's like five days worth of news. We got a lot of news to get to here today, as you noted before we started the show here today.
1: Yeah, it's a pre- it's a pretty lengthy script. I got I, I got to say this is a this is a action packed.
3: I've thought about because I've been making these run sheets for a couple years now, and I have like a very specific format that I do them all in. Um, I'm thinking about maybe just like maybe making a little book, like a coffee table book. Of run sheets uh, from past Winklevoss, so you can go back to the day and look at what the top news of that day was, and I annotate everything, so you could even see what sources broke which stories on which days. I don't know if anybody'd be interested in that, you know, but it's a thing of have thought. You know,
1: I, you know, I actually think that some, I think that some fans that are like really hardcore, regular followers of of wrestling news sites and podcasts, they would probably, you know, we, you and I, probably take for granted how interesting that might be to somebody who doesn't get to see it.
3: Yeah, I think so too. So if that's something you like, tweet me. Let me know if you're interested. Uh, I don't know if I'll put together a book, but I might occasionally start tweeting out the run sheets so you guys can maybe see online what we're going to talk about before we talk about it here on the show, before the podcast comes out. You know? So anyway, food for thought. I'm a big fan of my run sheets. They're like little chapters to me. I take a lot of time with them. Uh, so anyway, I have
1: three. I have three hundred plus uh, scripts from uh, Chairshot Reality episodes. Over three hundred episodes of that. There we still go. Have, there, still have them all.
3: There we go. Maybe we are on to something here. Actually, so this is good. A lot of a lot of positive energy to start the show.
1: And if we can sync it up to where you put the week of the run sheet you put out of whatever podcast you were doing, and I put out the the Chairshot yep. that week, and we can see how where the news was
3: yeah so you have to see if the news uh, lined up maybe there were things you found interesting that i didn't find interesting and so and so or just or just
1: how we formatted it
3: yeah oh man this is good this is good podcasting all right well before we get to uh the run sheet here today uh talking all the news the past five days we've also got some more audio here in a little bit uh we got some uh we've got some some things other things we're going to talk about here say at the top of the show of course i always like to send out Condolences when we lose uh, members of the pro-wrestling community at the top of the show. Uh, So today we are going to unfortunately be sending out our condolences to the fans and friends of Hunter Horse Helmsley. Horse, not Hurst. Uh, Hangman Adam Page announced yesterday on social media that his horse, Hunter Horse Helmsley, also known as Stoney, passed away this week in Wisconsin. This is the same horse that Adam Page rode into All Out on. um, And uh, I guess it it found a, a spot in his heart. So... We send out our condolences to the fans and friendly friendly of uh, Hunter Horse Helmsley. And I say that in all sincerity. I know that could come across a little jokingly, but horses are a very magnificent animal. There's a lot of love and care that goes into horses. So that's very sad news here. So, uh, also, uh, if you are listening to the show, you like the Winkley, uh, you're probably very used to a Tuesday through Thursday schedule, uh, as we've been doing that for now almost over a year. Uh, this week, we are not going to be doing a Winkley on Thursday. The reason for that is because Crown Jewel is on Thursday. And as Justin was wise enough to point out to me, we would be recording the Winkley just before Crown Jewel even started. And then, of course, there's going to be a post show right after. So there's only like a three-hour window there where that podcast would have been relevant, right? So what we're going to do then... On Thursday, you're going to get the Crown Jewel post-show. Uh, Raj and whoever else, I don't know who he's doing it with, but he told me he's doing do a post-show podcast. Uh, we will have that on Thursday. And then on Friday, come back. I'm actually going to record a little early with Michael Weissman on Thursday. We're going to drop the Winkley on Friday afternoon, early Friday afternoon. And then, of course, Friday night, you'll get your your post-Smackdown show as well. So thank you, Justin, for catching that um it's really helped the podcast schedule this week to not drop three <laughs> shows within like a 24-hour period that's really nice of you to have caught that Yeah, it
1: was, i was just just looking at my schedule this week is insane and i was just i got to thursday i was like well that's kind of a, a conflict
3: whatever man i got halloween off now i'm gonna sit at home i watch crown jewel we'll talk crown jewel here in a little bit and i'm gonna go do some drinking and try not to drink too much because i got to do the winkley now on friday which is something else i thought about i was trying not to do anything on that friday mm, now i have work Uh, All right, Uh, on this particular Winkly here today, after the news, we have two big interviews. Uh, The first one is uh, our own Raj Geary, the boss up top. He sat down with WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page. Of course, DDP just showed up on AEW Dynamite, so we talk about that. We talk about his contract status. Or not we, Raj and DDP, they talk about all those things. So very excited to bring that to you here today. And then after the DDP interview, you're going to get the full audio of of the Impact Wrestling media call that happened this past Friday. It features Scott Demore, Brian Cage, and Taya Valkyrie uh, all talking about the big move to Access TV. And, of course, that move happens tonight. So I thought this was very appropriate to get you guys all excited uh, about what's going to be going down tonight. Big show, big thing. There's at least one big thing that happens on Impact tonight. I'm not going to spoil it here for you, but you're going to want to tune in tonight. So you're going to get DDP, Scott Demore, Brian Cage, Taya Valkyrie, all of that, and, of course... News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. Let's get to it here. Uh, We traditionally start off on Tuesdays looking at the viewership. but there's one story that uh, was much buzzier than the viewership of past week, which was also very buzzy. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But that was WWE NXT superstar Jordan Miles tweeting out uh, the following, noting his unhappiness with WWE shirt design, uh, a shirt designed for him by WWE that featured his name on red lips his name was in white lettering, like they were teeth, and it was on a black shirt. It looked, uh, it, it, by all accounts, it looks racist, and it was uh, derivative of what they call the Sambo dolls. Uh, if you want to go look up a photo in this whole thread, you go see the side-by-side of why African Americans are very offended by this shirt. So anyway, here's the first tweet that, that Jordan Miles put out. He said, They'll regret this. Hashtag, for the culture. I will keep posting this till my voice is heard. I'm not sorry for anything I say or do. Representation is important. If this is Vince McMahon and Triple H's vision of me, then this is a slap in the face to every African-American performer, fan, and supporter. So we'll get into some more back-and-forth tweets here in just a moment. But, Justin, what was your initial reaction when you saw Jordan Miles speaking out uh, against this design uh, that they made for his shirt?
1: Well, obviously he, uh, you know, he says he's not going to be sorry for anything he says. Obviously, he is because, as we'll note, he ends up, you know, saying things that he then deletes. Um, look, I mean, he obviously, you know, he has a right to be upset. Um, you know, he has a right to, to to react the way he the way he he has a right to not like the shirt. Um, and you know, I mean, he has a right to speak out. But I also think, as we'll kind of go through this here, you know, there there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Um, and, and especially when you're starting to bring other people into it. Um, you know, and and I think Shane Shane Taylor from uh, you know, you know, who's been in Ring of Honor and, and his, you know, uh, who's African American, I think he had a really good. I think it was on his Instagram, he had a really good thoughtful react. What I'm assuming is a reaction to this, and he said, you know, for the culture is about trying to bring people together, and it's not necessarily to be used in the manner in which it's being used to in for this topic. So I mean, again, you know, Jordan Miles has a right to be upset, right? I'm not saying that oh he shouldn't be offended by the shirt. That's not what I'm saying, but they're. You know, let's let's think about how you're going to go about this. Let's think about how much social media justice you're going to uh, uh, chase after.
3: Okay, Uh, okay, great. Let's get some more tweets here. So Miles responded to a fan asking if WWE was even trying to design this logo. He said, not at all. I was I was told it was supposed to be a Rolling Stones uh, GTF uh, GTFOH. So get the F out of here. Because they are blind and stuck in their ways. They don't see the disrespect in producing a design that screams racism against African-Americans. They have been blinded for years and they need a reprogramming because they are ignorant. When asked by a fan on Twitter if he knew that the shirt existed before the design had been replaced, he said, I used this shirt as fuel. I knew the shirt existed and my soul hasn't been able to rest properly since I've laid eyes on it. My voice will be heard, my true opinion will be heard, and my people will have their moment. PWInsider.com got the following statement then from WWE when they reached out asking about Miles' comments. They said Albert Hardy Jr., aka Jordan Miles, approved this t shirt for sale. As always, we work collaboratively with all of our performers to develop logos and merchandise designs and get their input and approval before proceeding. This was the same process with Albert and we swiftly and we responded swiftly once he later requested that the logo t-shirt be redesigned. No t-shirts were sold. Okay, we'll put another pin in it here because we got more to go. But that was WWE's first line of defense trying to trying to get the situation under control. What did you think of WWE's statement here, Justin?
1: Um well, I'm glad they put a statement out and I mean, it, it was I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it it certainly was like a, hey, wait now, because now they're saying that this guy already approved it. So, I mean, that that definitely caught my attention and got me wondering, okay, where is the miscommunication here? Because they, you know, this wasn't just a, this wasn't just a, you know, very bland PR statement of, um, you know, WWE handled all matters with their personnel, private, you know, like it wasn't, you know, they actually tried to explain the, the, Right. steps that they've so yeah this got my attention this really got my attention
3: i think this was a misstep here by wwe i don't think they should have gotten as detailed into it because i think by pulling jordan albert al whatever you want to call him once you pulled him into this by saying he approved the shirt and i really you're trying to dismiss the guy's claim all together here and make him look and sound like he's crazy i think with the statement which sends its own kind of statement i think that by saying this um and pulling him into it um, because now you have a situation where he ha- he's, he's now on the de- defensive. He's got to defend himself. He's got to respond to this. And I just don't think that engaging Jordan in a way where it's now a he said, she said was the route to go. I would have definitely gone with the more blander statement of there was an internal error. We apologize. The shirt was ever designed. We understand the problem here. Apologies. I think that would have just been fine, right? I don't understand the need to have brought him into it, I guess is what I'm asking or bringing up
1: here, you know? Well, well, I'm sure they would have liked to handle it privately altogether, but, you know, he started by making it public. So I feel like they were like, look, we can't, just, you know, right now we're getting hammered with, with, you know, with, with, with racist allegations. I mean, of, that we just, that we just randomly decided to come up with this, the shirt design, you know, I think they just felt, you know, yeah, they felt a little like they they, they they were on the defensive. They felt like they needed to say something.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing is now this is a back and forth. And that's why I say I would have, st- I would have not made this a back and forth. I would have tried to stand down and, and resolve this and not antagonize here, which is, I think, a little bit what happened. And that's exactly how I think Miles responded here after feeling a little like he was told that he was crazy by WWE. So Miles then goes on Twitter here. And he says, when I originally saw the design, I was uncomfortable. Rather than addressing the issue, I decided to counteroffer with another. Baker Landon lied to my face. Now, we'll get to who Baker here is in just a second. He said Triple H wanted this design, so my hands were tied. I spoke to Triple H in person, and the impression was I approved. And his impression was I approved. So it sounds like maybe there was a a conversation with Baker and Baker talked to Triple H, and there was some miscommunication with this Baker Landon fellow. But apparently there was a, a conversation that was had behind closed doors. So in another tweet, Miles included a screenshot of his email from Baker Landon and told him GFYS. What is GFYS, by the way? Am I dumb? Should I have looked this up?
4: Go, GFYS. Oh, go, go
3: F yourself. Oh, go, it's got to go be, F. It's yeah. gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. go F yourself. Okay, got it. Um, Miles captioned the email screenshot with, don't believe me, email him and ask yourself, GFYS Baker. Now, this is where the he will read what the email said, but the email, it, it wasn't just a shot of the email. It included this guy's actual email address, which is, first of all, I mean, granted, the content of it, the discussion that we're having here um, could could maybe be, I mean, could could be welcome. I think there's always a great time to have a discussion about uh, uh, race issues within pro wrestling but on that end like you said the execution here of the way he wanted this discussion putting out somebody's email address like that doxing them I guess you could say that's going to draw some red flags right and that kind of crosses I think a bit of a line that everybody agreed with by the end of this all would you say that's fair
1: yeah there's like universal rules in, in, in today's world with, with screenshots and social media where there's, there's kind of like the universal rule you don't you know you don't public you know you don't publicly put somebody's phone number or email out there that's just that's just you just don't do that because it could just quick it could just as quickly be done right back to you 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 know like no no matter no matter how much i had a problem with somebody or dislike somebody or was was going to having a back and forth on social media you know if i had their number i would never say call or text this guy and tell them how terrible you know like you just don't do that you know
2: yeah
3: yeah um So the September 11th email for Baker read, Hey Albert, Triple H attended a meeting and had a revision for your logo, but loved it for your character. He wanted the letter to be more quote-unquote teethy, and what I have attached is what he liked. Also have basic t-shirts on there that he approved as well. Road Dog preferred the gray, but let us know what you think. Thanks. Baker Landon, by the way, is the digital designer and creative services talent coordinator for WWE, though it does look like his LinkedIn page has been recently deleted, possibly because of this headache. Uh, Miles then posted another tweet that called out the company for employing WWE Hall of Famer Hulk Hogan. Writing the whole WWE system is fraud. They created the system, this system where you can't trust anyone, you grow cold, and you grow apart from what you love the most. The fact that Hulk Hogan is still employed after giving the locker room an apology for being caught says enough. Hashtag for the culture. He then tweeted a video where he said WWE doesn't care about black people, channeling Kanye West uh, from back in the Hurricane Katrina. Uh, charity event he did alongside Mike Myers Go back and find the video Anyway, that video has been since been deleted uh, He also called out Ring of Honor and Jay Lethal He tweeted a photo of Jay Lethal and ROH And wrote, FROH2, the only one African American to be the top guy uh, Noting Jay While the likes of Cedric Alexander, TD, uh, Malcolm Bivens And myself had to chase that visible carrot a stick v- Chase the visible carrot a stick Name another African American who was who has reached great heights there other than this Uncle Tom, which is very, very that is very derogatory to say that if I don't care if you're black talking to another black guy, if you're a white guy, you definitely I no, you I don't think any white person should ever say that. Uh that it's a very strong term I should say. That one this this is when I knew that he was really angry here. And he's just acting out. And I think this is another Point here where I think some would say crossed the line here with that comment about and to Jay Lethal, right? I mean, yes, right?
1: Yeah, it it was about at this point when he started uh, bringing other people that had nothing to do. Like, okay, so so up to this point, he's talking about Triple H and he's talking about um, Baker. Okay, these are relevant participants in in the 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 mat and in the problem at hand in, in the design of this shirt. Okay, but the moment that he starts uh you know pulling hulk hogan ring of honor a whole different company jay you know the moment he starts doing that it's like all right dude now you've just and now it, it, it's it's almost like he realized like he was getting to a point of no return with his
3: 100 percent agree his with that 100
1: yeah you got to like a point of no return and i don't know if he figured that this was going to i don't know if it was just all right well hell i'm just gonna i'm just gonna burn this thing down on my way out or if it was like hey I'm gonna speak up, or at least I think I'm speaking up, and this is gonna help me get a, you know, get a spot somewhere else. I don't know, but this at this point, this is where it went off the rails, truly for me.
3: Uh, and see, again, I'm gonna go back to, and we got a little bit more to get to here on this story, but I'm gonna go back to WWE's uh, initial response to Jordan, where I really feel they tried to dismiss him completely here, and I, and not that, not to uh, say that what Jordan has said or done in certain circumstances, in in these tweets, because definitely there's been some lines crossed. I can understand the frustration of being in the position that he is feeling like he's not being heard. And then when he tries to tell his story is kind of told uh, the the company is telling people, don't believe this guy. He's crazy. He was in on this. We have no idea what he's talking about. You know, does that make sense? I'm trying to, I'm trying to add a little levity to the, uh, to the back and forth. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So that's why I was like, WW, why'd you make that statement? Could have just anyway, um, Another fan wrote to Miles, said, this is getting ridiculous. Oh, I forgot you're perfect and have never made a mistake, right? No one is holding a gun to your head and making you stay. Leave and go do something else. If that's horrible, that shirt was not made for the reasons you are saying. Miles responded this morning and wrote, I'm far from perfect. I'm willing to do anything for the job of my dreams to make things work for both parties. I only agreed to the shirt because it was shown to me on a white tee. Once it was placed on a black tee, You can clearly see the racist intention. So he's basically saying, I saw this, you know, uh, Rolling Stones logo. It was on a white shirt. It did not necessarily offend me. When I saw it on a black shirt, totally different connotation. I could see where that could I could see where that would happen. And I could see why this should not have been sold or made. Miles was asked by another fan about what the end game is for him speaking out. He said better representation and to be heard. Um, so I'll prattle off the last a bit of this and we can kind of do our, our, our final talk on, on the situation. But PWInsider.com reporting that Miles has not been at the Performance Center in re- recent weeks. There's no word yet on if, he has anything, if this has anything to do with his unhappiness over the t-shirt design. It was also noted that the design was created when the company was producing dozens of shirts for NXT talent after the NXT on USA Network deal was confirmed in August, which could somewhat explain why the shirt made it to the market before being pulled. Um, several indie wrestlers have supported Miles by using the hashtag for the culture and by changing their profile photos to black and white, uh, including WWE superstar Cedric Alexander, who Miles tagged in the original tweet on the hashtag and the black and white avatars. Uh, um, uh, Miles has tagged a tweet on the hashtag and the black and white avatars. He has also uh, he also shown support for Miles. Cedric has he changed his Twitter photo and tweeted at the hashtag. One fan tweeted to Miles that he should apologize to Jay Lethal, to which Miles wrote back, I won't take back anything I've said. If I said it, I mean it. Um, PW Insider reporting on that note that Jay Lethal broke his arm yesterday in uh, performing for Ring of Honor in Bolton, England. So he's reading, I don't know, he's probably not on Twitter. He's probably getting surgery right now, and uh, he wakes up to this not uh, nonsense. So Jay Lethal, he, no timetable for his return. Now, during the tweet storm, Miles, and I'm guessing a, a fit of fantasy, uh, decided to tweet evolves Gabe Sapolsky, who also works behind the scenes for NXT, said he wants to have a match with Leon Ruff, who currently holds the Evolve Tag Titles so with A. R. Fox. I'm guessing trying to spin this into some back into some kind of wrestling uh, thing. Um, and uh, the the last bit of this, Titus O'Neill, um, he took to Twitter this morning to say the following regarding the controversy: "Go Go Miles, I am 100% in agreement that th- that the shirt is very distasteful. That being said." Bringing others into this to vent your frustrations or issues that have nothing to do with WWE or the shirt is also very distasteful. It is hashtag for the culture. Don't attack those in it. Hand, a fist hand emoji, raised fist emoji from Titus O'Neil. So there it is. That's everything that was involved in this story here in the past five days. Uh, Also, just so you know, that the hashtag for the culture came from a show (laughs) that GCW is going to be hosting in Florida during WrestleMania weekend next year called For the Culture, which is uh, it's going to be hope, put together by A.J. Gray, and uh, it's going to be it's an African-American producer show featuring a lot of African-American talent. That thing is getting all the fu- free publicity in the world in the past five days because of this whole, uh, this whole thing. So having taken <laughs> it all, you know. And, and,
1: and Jordan Miles might be on that show. He
3: probably will be at this point, you know. So I don't know, Justin. that's that's everything. What what do we take away from this? What what do you what do, what have you what do you think of this this saga here that took place between Jordan Miles and WWE?
1: I think ultimately there was probably a miscommunication in terms of one you know Jordan Miles was saying one thing. Triple H said something. And then I, I i don't, I think somewhere in the middle, I think a middleman m- misstepped. And I think that's ultimately what it came out to be. That, that's what it seems based upon the back and forth, based upon the explanations that he gave um, to the fans when he was answering fan questions. Um, you know, I think Titus's comments kind of really sum it up, you know, was there a valid issue? Absolutely. It does seem well, you know, there. Was there, Yes, yes, yes. You know, absolutely. But, you know, go, you know, think about how you're going to handle it. And I think, um, yeah, towards the end of it, I think, you know, between deleting comments, deleting videos, between, yeah, trying to almost like turn it into like a wrestling work, um, I think he started to realize, man, I might have gone too far, and I might be on my on my way out of here, and maybe was even getting some private messages of other people in the business saying, hey, dude, you know, like, like I want to support you, but you're handling this all wrong. Maybe realize, hey, I'm not going to have as many options as I think. This isn't doing me as many favors as I thought by trying to be, uh, what would the word be, righteous, I guess? I don't know. It, but yes. You know it, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I certain then you know, the fact that he hasn't been at the performance center for a few weeks. Um, you know whether that is whether that's whether he's already spoke up and voiced internally about this, and then and it caused problems, and they sent him home, or whether this is just a little indicator of how his personality is to handle things, which is to uh, maybe explode and handle them poorly. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem like he's well, long for the WWE world. Well, but no, it wasn't this bad,
3: right? But Leo Rush did have his moment, right? Where he said some things about how he felt he was being treated and presented by WWE that were not uh, in in, in what he thought was a tasteful way. So and, and now he's the cruiserweight champion, Justin. <laughs> like in this, that
1: is true. You know that is true. Well that is true. And I will say, even though WWE probably can and, and and they can probably do it and not have any like legal ramifications because of how well they protect themselves in relation to the talent which they dub independent contractors, if they were to release Jordan Miles, at least in the immediate from all of this, you know, they're gonna face some some, they're going to face some negative backlash from it. I mean, again, they, they, you know, I don't think legally they can probably they, he, he probably won't have a case legally to, you know, cause as, as an independent contractor, you can, you know, they can stop, they can stop working on them at any time. That's, that's kind of independent contractors across the world. You can just stop, you can just cut the, cut the, cut the cord anytime. But, um but yeah, they are going to get a lot of negative backlash if we were to, you know read a uh read a tweet or statement from wb it says they wished him best on his future endeavors not to say that he won't be let go eventually or that they might say look this just isn't working out for a lot of reasons but um yeah not i mean just not i mean he i don't think he did himself any favors in the, in the grand scheme of things by by handling this publicly the way he did
3: i i'd also like to address something that you said at the top that i've heard from other people too which is the guy regrets what he said or is uh feeling sorry for about it because he deleted the tweets I don't necessarily I don't want to jump to that conclusion because the stuff he tweeted out is the stuff that we both were like, that's that could be defamatory. Is doxing somebody legal? Like, I definitely think there were a couple lines he crossed that could get him into legal issues. You know, if he put out this guy's email address and was like made him a target, you know, I'm sure that guy's not going to be very happy. Right. I'm sure Jay Lethal doesn't like being called what he was called. You know, that's right, slanderous. Right. right? Um, as his ring of honor. They probably they got a great legal department. I'm sure Sinclair is ready to go with this case. You know, so I think that the stuff that got taken down, I would I would I would not be shocked if it was um, because he was told he had to, not because he wanted to, uh, because there's a real tangible and I've known ACH. I've done a lot of shows with ACH, you know, hung out with him. WrestleMania weekend. Last year, watched him do a backflip off of a a set of stairs in front of 100 people. It was incredible. You know, he's a really nice guy. I would not have expected this from him. So I know that there's – I want to know what else – I want to know what else happened because I don't think that it was just the shirt. I think it was a a comment or or something else that was said to him leading into this or, or a series of issues. I feel like the shirt was more just a symbol for other issues he was maybe struggling with. It maybe it's WWE, maybe it was just the pro wrestling business in general, because it doesn't seem like it, it, by the end of this, it was just WWE that he was kind of setting his sights on, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure there's more to it. I'm sure there's more that, that set him off than just the shirt. I'm sure there's other interactions and other problems. Obviously, he's, you know, he as he vented about Hulk Hogan, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's more to this. And again, that's not to say that, 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 that it doesn't matter, because it does matter, but again, like think about how you're going. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're right about Leo Rush And, and, but again, once you, people, people, you can, you can't unsee this. You can't forget this. This has now happened. This is forever going to be attached to him for good, bad or otherwise.
3: Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. That's for sure. Will will it have had any effect? I don't know. I guess we'll know by the next news cycle. So we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Um, All right. Let's uh, let's chat about viewership. Shift it up here. Shake it off. Time for some different stuff to talk about. All right. AEW Dynamite. They drew an average of 963,000 viewers last week. NXT drew an average of 698,000 viewers. Dynamite topped NXT by 38%, but this was the lowest audience for both AEW Dynamite and WWE NXT. Now, it should be noted. that both of these shows were opposing the World Series. And all things considered, you know, Dynamite's viewership was down 5% from last week's episode, which did 1.014 million, uh, and NXT was only down 2% from last week's. It did 712,000 viewers. So they took a dent here, Justin, but really the, the wrestling fans for Wednesday that were there the week before, they, they largely came back for this week to, to take in both the shows.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I, I, give a, I give a little bit of a pass altogether because you know, because it is against the world series. And, and, um, so yeah, I, I get a little bit of a pass. Um, I, I, thought- and I guess they're gonna, they're gonna have that same problem potentially. Well, it, it actually, if, if, if Houston wins, then I think it's over. Um, so, uh, but if, if Houston loses, then I think, Game 7 would be this Wednesday, which that to be a real problem.
3: <laughs> oh my god. I'm not a baseball person, but even I know that the 7th game of the World Series, that's a big one. That's the that's the end all be all.
1: Well, and and it's between and it's you know, it's, it's two 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 big markets in in, in DC and Houston, you know.
3: Sure. Ba- Baserball. I love Baserball and all of it. Everyone involved. Baserball. Um, so I thought this was good. I thought it was good that they retained as much as they did and I thought both shows this past week were some of the better work that that both companies have done. Um, I think that both of these shows, unless, like you said, there's this Game 7 of the World Series, I think that th- this, what'll be, fifth week? I think this is when we're going to finally start to see an upswing here in the Wednesday Night Order.
1: You think? Upswing, huh?
3: I, I mean, if there's no World Series, I don't think that they're going to drop in viewership. I, def- I definitely think there's a buzz around AEW, and I think that NXT will um gets I hate to say ride that wake because like it's the WWE product, but I think more interest on Wednesday nights will mean more interest for, for NXT. So yeah, I think they'll both go up this week.
1: Hopefully, because we're talking a whole lot more about down and down errors with pro wrestling <laughs> in, in general than we are up right now.
3: Oh I Justin. mean what I mean
1: this this is supposed to be the great October. This is supposed to be the great wrestling boom and when and, and people are just are just declining drastically.
2: <laughs>
3: oh Justin why would you set me up for that transition like that? So let's talk about SmackDown. SmackDown aired on <laughs> FS1 instead of Fox because of the World Series. So they, w- they got moved to FS1 because of the World Series. We're not on Fox. Uh, they're going to return to Fox this week. And Friday night's WWE SmackDown on FS1 drew 888,000 viewers, less than a million viewers, less than the people that watched Dynamite, AEW beat them twice this week, Justin. They beat him on Wednesday, and they beat him on Friday. Now, this is down 63% from last Friday's SmackDown episode on Fox, which drew 2.418 million viewers, meaning more than 1.5 million viewers did not make the transition from Fox to FS1. Um, this, this, Just for comparison here, the special airing of backstage that happened right after SmackDown on FS1 drew 426,000 viewers. So about half the people that watch SmackDown also stuck around to watch backstage. and They say, how can you watch three hours of wrestling? Uh, at WrestleVotes, they noted that WWE officials were expecting Friday's SmackDown to do a similar number to what the show was doing on the USA Network before the move in early October. So also for comparison, the last SmackDown on USA drew 2.099 million viewers, so less than half of those expectations. Now, I know that there's... Look, you know, the World Series was that night. They were on a different network. Dude, I saw this number, and I was like, what? That's cr- We have entered crazy upside-down world when SmackDown is doing less than a million viewers, Justin.
1: Well, and, 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 and so if Votes' report is right, um, I'm I'm going to guess that WWE people were assuming such. They were kind of just, you know, arrogantly assuming that, ah-ha-ha, ha, ha, we'll have all the people we want that watch us. Uh, because I think, I mean, FS1's not like some... Throwaway channel. I mean, it, it FS1 is not in as many homes as Fox is, but FS1 is about in the same range in terms in terms of number of homes as what USA is. So that's probably why WB was expecting that as they figured, OK, FS1 is, is a comparable channel to USA in terms of in terms of audience potential. So our, our audience potential will probably be similar to what you know, but they didn't account for, you know, it's something it's the first time ever SmackDown's been on F S one. So people may not be programmed to think to find it there. And of course it's Friday night. So yeah, it's just Friday night and people are out and maybe not watching TV. And then of course the World Series and 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 oh by the way, maybe the programming just isn't that damn good right now. <laughs> so um yeah, this is uh, this is this is a little bit alarming. It has to be alarming.
3: <laughs> Dude, they paid they made billions for this deal for FS one and in Fox. Like if you're a Fox executive like I would imagine, they're like, <laughs> they're like B- Bischoff told us this was going to be a solid home run. <laughs> like,
1: oh, don't don't drag Eric into this.
3: He was the guy <laughs> doing the negotiations, right? He was telling us. Oh, calm,
1: calm down, calm down. Anyway,
3: uh, I was joking about that the other night. I'm sure he had nothing to do with this, but uh, I uh, I would say I will say a couple things. I I like uh, many viewers out there. I have the DVR on my cable. Right? Do you have the DVR? Do you DVR things? Yes. Okay. So the other night, it's Friday night. I come back home. I'm there, and I the TV did not flip over because I did not I didn't have the wherewithal to change it over. So I they, I was like two minutes in, and I had to flip over to SmackDown. I had to find FS1. Now that seems like a little thing, but if a lot of people no,
1: you know that's that that's weird because you know what? It's funny you say that because. Mine automatically recorded it on FS1. It's like my cable, my DVR setting knows that I want to record SmackDown and okay. recognize that SmackDown was on a different channel that night, and it automatically recorded it for me because I got that same worry, but it automatically did it for me.
3: Who's who's your provider? Comcast. Oh, see, I got DirecTV, so maybe that's different. You know, yeah. little little. I'm just saying little stuff like that. You know, um, it can it can mess with it. So, anyway, uh, how about how, how do you think it'll uh, you know I, before I get to the next question. I will say, I, th- I saw this and I immediately thought how how doom and gloomier this would have all seemed earlier if uh, AEW had been bumped their second week and had seen a dramatic drop like this. Uh, I think we'd be seeing even less momentum right now than we're actually seeing. I think that all things considered, you know, this is, this is not good what happened with the SmackDown viewership here, um, but the other products seem to be maintaining their momentum. And like I said, I do think that this week we'll see... An upswing, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, at least. So.
1: Well, they, they must have no place to go but up. I mean, they're kind of, you know... I, yeah, I mean, I do think SmackDown back on Fox this week, it'll get back up in the millions, probably, you know, probably back up, you'd hope, over the two million mark. Yeah, um,
3: but, uh, dude, you one, know, one and a half million people... Experience what a Friday night is like without WWE now, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's...
1: Well, and 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 you know, it's, this is a, this is a tough week to gauge, not only because coming off of all the stuff we just talked about, but then you got to figure, okay, how does Crown Jewel on a Thursday play into this? Because. Um, you know, like, you know, how, how, interested are people, will people watch, you know, we know some people don't watch crown jewel for one reason, whether, whether it's out of political protest or whether it's just because the middle of the afternoon, they don't care or whether the you know the car doesn't look attractive. So I think it all depends, you know, I, something I said on my wrestling reality podcast this past week and I'll, and I'll kind of echo it here see what you think. WWE has uh, two opportunities in one match here at Crown Jewel, and it's The Fiend versus Seth Rollins. Right. They have the opportunity on the one hand to try to redeem themselves from the blunder that was Hell in a Cell, and I mean they're setting themselves up again with you know no exit strategy of there has to be a winner, there's no stopping. So they're setting themselves up. They're acknowledging that they had the no 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 screwy finish here. So you know people seem to be souring on Seth Rollins, at least more booze than, than there has been. And and Seth has been saying some crazy things. So, I mean, you could redeem yourself in two ways. One, by giving the fiend the title. And that seems to be what people were clamoring for based upon the reaction after hell in a cell. But also what that would do, that would be a major title change, a major storyline point, at this crown jewel show. So this could help give that crown jewel. I mean, they're going to keep doing these shows obviously for the next, you know, what nine or eight or nine years. So that could help give some credibility and reason to tune in to these crown jewel shows. Uh, So Thursday will be a big, big thing for them to see what they do.
3: I I agree a hundred percent with that. You know, if you do the title change too, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people that hear about it, go back, watch the show that otherwise, like you said, would not have watched the show for, for whatever reason. Um, But uh, I will also say I was surprised that they used the finish um, they did with Eric Rowan and Seth Rollins on Monday night with the forklift, the the Mick Foley spot. I thought that they would use that at Crown Jewel to justify beating the Fiend. And so since they did that on Raw, I really do. I think the Fiend's going to win uh, at Crown Jewel.
1: I mean, you think? He, I mean, he almost has to. I mean, again, I he, mean, he, he, they have said they put themselves. There's no exit strategy.
3: Uh, all right. Uh, onward we go. The current <laughs> Wrestling Observer reporting the current talk around uh, the current talk going around backstage at WWE is that NXT is going to continue to run full sale uh, in 2020, just not weekly with the idea of doing other shows and arenas outside of Florida. Full sale is uh, a lot more cost effective. The location. Uh, But the location and the look is believed to be part of the reason for the drop in viewership, especially with AEW going head-to-head with them. The main reason for doing the weekly USA Network NXT TV show from full sale was because they rushed to get the show on the air so they could get the jump on AEW and didn't have any time to book arenas. Which lines up with everything we had heard. Uh, I just wanted to say I think this is a really good idea. I think even if you did it once a month and you built, you know, kind of made those shows stand out, you were building to them almost like live or free pay-per-views on TV just to keep keep some momentum and continuity and build your brand, that NXT brand up. I think that's a much better course of action than what they're doing here right now and and I yeah, I I don't know that you're going to sell out a whole bunch of venues uh back to back to back. I think you get one going, you show that that works, maybe you can move to two in late 2020, 2021 and then, you know, go from there. You
1: know. Well, from a business standpoint, yeah, that would be smart. You know, because yeah, I don't know if you're going to sell out uh, arenas every week for NXT, and then, yeah, you know, the, the cost of the travel and everything. So, from a business standpoint, I would understand okay, let's do three weeks of full sale, one week, you know, somewhere else. My only concern to that is how much is that going to help or hurt you? Because now you're going to, you know, you are going to get people this, you know, just kind of like a, a free pay per view kind of feel, a treat of a, a bigger, a bigger feeling show, both on what you book on it and just the aesthetics and the look. And then when they go back to full sale that next week, is it going to make people go, mm. You know, like I don't know, like is it, is it gonna is it gonna further highlight? You know, it's it's one thing when when, when you flick over to a different channel and you think AEW is highlighting the small feel of NXT, but then it's a, it's a whole other thing when you're doing it to yourself when you're when you're running shows every few weeks in a bigger arena and then you bring you know it, it it's you know like like think about when Monday Night Raw started you know and they were in the they were in the Manhattan Center for all this time I mean if they would have gone to you know Madison Square Garden once a month and then back to Manhattan Center the next week I, you know, I don't know I'm not sure how that how that Go so we'll have to see if that helps them or hurts them if they try to do that
3: uh well uh talking a little bit about their competition aew uh tomorrow night uh they are going to have the finals for the aew tag team championship tournament it'll feature scu versus the lucha brothers and the winners will be presented uh with the titles by none other than wwe hall of famers the rock and roll express uh this is cool the rock and roll express killing it on the indies ricky borden has the best canadian destroyer in pro wrestling right now i stand by that statement uh, and I don't think that this is just going to be them giving these titles over. I think I could see Lucha Brothers winning this, getting in the face of the Rock and Roll Express. I think I fully think we're going to get to see the Rock and Roll Express wrestle on Dynamite here in 2020 uh, before the year's over.
1: What if, um, and you're right, because they still are active. Yeah,
2: dude, they um, can go. I,
1: I do think the Lucha Bros win. And I do think that we I agree that I do think that this is not going to be as cut and dry as here we present you a title. I do think it could lead to something. What if uh, what if at full gear? I mean, Baltimore, mm-hmm. hey, NWA used to run Baltimore. I mean, that's, sure. a, that's a that's a that is a that is a that's a territory that, that is the Rock and Roll Express are known. And what if what if they had the Lucha Bros versus the Rock and Roll Express at, 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 at dude, the pay-per-view?
3: Dude, everybody has brought the Rock and Roll Express in to help get their market over MLW. Uh, I believe has. I know that Billy's brought him in. And Ring of Honor's brought him in. They may have even done something with Impact. I could be wrong about that, but everybody's brought him in at some point, dude. Yeah, AEW knows that. Rock and Roll Express, an attraction. And if you did Lucha Brothers versus Rock and Roll Express at Full Gear, yes, that is a match I would get excited about. That That's awesome. So
2: uh,
3: they also AEW issued the following statement on Twitter regarding John Moxley's attack on a referee. Uh, Post-main event last week on Dynamite, uh, they said AEW officials have reprimanded Jon Moxley for an unprovoked attack on referee Paul Turner. As this is not the first time Moxley has attacked the senior official, Moxley has been warned that another violation of AEW's sportsmanship policy could result in a fine or suspension. This is this is this is the kind of stuff that is very different than WWE because this is stuff they just kind of I feel like they're just rolling with it, right? They're like, oh, we got to justify this, we got to come up with stuff, which is fine. I don't hate this. I think it was a nice little touch. I don't know. If you had any opinions on the Moxley? Yeah, it's com-
1: it's, it's comical, but it's logical. Sure.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Wrestling Observer reported that Luchasaurus uh, he did recently get injured, but he only suffered a strained hamstring, not a full tail. Uh, Not a full tear, not tail. He is a dinosaur, though. Uh, There is no exact timetable for his return to the ring, but it could just be a couple months. Uh, If it was a full tear, it would have been six to eight. So that's great. Luchasaurus very over with AEW fans. It would have been awful to see him immediately lose that momentum. Uh, Jake Jack Swagger Hager, his Bellator 231 bout ended in a no contest due to illegal strikes Friday night Hager, who had won his first two bouts in Bellator, landed two low blows in the groin in succession to Anthony Garrett in their heavyweight encounter, although the first knee strike appeared to maybe be in the stomach. The fight was halted at the 1 minute 56 second mark, so Hager just got in there, just started throwing knees in the groin. I'm just kidding. Hager appeared to be winning the fight before it was stopped. The ringside doctor ordered the fight to be stopped after the second low blow the referee ruled the need to be unintentional, thus resulting in a no contest and not a DQ loss for Hager. Batista was there taken in the fight. Great photo of him with the inner circle. Everyone except Chris Jericho, the leader. Um, and uh, and the beat rolls on here. I, I, you know, bummer news. I'm sure they would have liked Hager to go in there and win, create more momentum for everybody. Instead, he kicked the, the
5: dick twice. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I don't think it hurts the momentum. Yeah, he didn't get declared the official winner, but it kind of like it's still, you know. <laughs> He didn't go in there and get pummeled and look soft, so he still looks like the badass that they're portraying him to be, Sure, he is.
3: Sure, and this is a, look, a lot of buzz around this, too. So, anyway. And it's kind of cool that Batista took the time to pose at him. He's one of those wild cards out there. Big name, kind of can do whatever he wants. Do you ever think we'd see Batista in, in AEW? Eh, no. Batista and Randy Orton. Could you imagine them coming in together?
1: That'd be weird. Well, yeah, I'll say no as of now, based upon we're all, you know, based upon we're all, you know, that, that Triple H is, is heir apparent to the throne and running part of the WWE Empire and that Ric Flair and, and company and Randy are over WWE. I mean, if, if, if some of that was to change, yeah, ask me again. Uh,
3: well, you brought up Seth Rollins earlier. Um, this is my pivot story. It was a bit AW, a bit WWE. Grill and JR, uh, the podcast Jim Ross does with Conrad Thompson. Jim Ross responded to Seth Rollins calling AEW the minor leagues by St. Rollins. He's in a great spot. He's blessed. Maybe someday he'll be as over as his girlfriend. I don't know. Burn from Jim Ross. <laughs> Becky Lynch responded nothing but respect JR. You're an amazing announcer. So go down to the locker room and announce that I would whoop the whole divi- of it whoop your whole women's division any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Burn. There's already a shirt. Jim Ross already made a shirt. He's selling this. Maybe you'll be as over as your girlfriend someday. I don't know. <laughs>
1: You gotta, love, you gotta love Jim Ross he's just, He just says whatever he wants now
3: Off the chain Couple Moscow mules Long plane flight <laughs> Get that man in front of a microphone Burn, <laughs> you just got burned by Jim Ross, man Like, I don't know I just,
1: I just had the Kelso from that 70s show Burned in my head
3: Yeah, there's some, there's a, there's a what, what do you think it is about Seth? Is it because they're try, he's like purposely trying to be Hulk Hogan And try to maybe be like John Cena And is he trying to play intentionally to kids? And also be cool at the same time. I kind of I was watching him last night. That's kind of what it felt like to me. You know.
1: Yeah, I just yeah, I just think it's it's yeah, maybe maybe some combination of everything there. It's just um. Well, I mean, what do you attach to him? You know, one of the things you know, one of the most you know no, no, noted things you can attach to him right now is that he's. He's the boyfriend of Becky Lynch. I mean, think about the times when he was at his best. You know, there was a lot of definition. You know, he when he was part of the Shield, or when he when he when he was the one who defected from the Shield, and you know, when we all thought it'd be Ambrose and he turned on him and now he was, you know, Mr. Corporate there with with uh Triple H. I mean, uh yeah, you know, there was always things to define about him. Right now, I mean, right now he's just kind of the guy. You know, really the way I define him in the last year, and it's unfortunate because he's I mean he's he's really good, bell to bell. I define him as the guy. Who WB's forcing to win matches that I don't believe that he should win. I don't believe that he should be able to curb curbstone Brock Lesnar 55 times and beat him. But he's done that. He's beat Brock Lesnar before, and I and I don't believe he's the guy that should be uh, getting that, that should have a match that's stopped with the Fiend and Hell in a Cell. Like he's just he's being forced upon. So yeah, I guess it is a little bit of like the the early John or early roman reigns uh problems
3: yeah dude and it's crazy it's like he made the conscious choice to become that guy and it's very different than who he like naturally is and so we are getting a mix and i was also thinking you know earlier we were like oh maybe they'll put the title in the fiend would that mean that the that both world titles are on smackdown then i guess seth has to win which will be i'm sure greeted poorly <laughs>
1: uh well i mean i don't know because the fiends booked for uh, every raw event between now and like christmas so they can hey. always make a trade
3: oh good great the the draft it never stops well they're, they're like sports franchises now so trades can just happen all year round um com reporting xavier woods he underwent surgery to repair an achilles tear last friday he could be out of action for six months to a year um so with just uh kofi and Big E here. I mean, what do you think? Is is now the time split them up? Have Big E lay out Kofi Kingston?
1: Uh, I don't know if he has to lay. Out. I mean, I, yeah, I, I do think now's the time. Now's the time to do. You know, you've they've kept the New Day together because they were just such an effective trio that could be healed, They could be faced, they could they could do any PR for you. And so, it, I mean, it's been together for an eternity by today's standards. Yeah. Um, and now that that trio is is gone for an extended period of time. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would, you know, Kofi got a great run with the title this year, so he's got something that you can work off there. Big E is just charisma and potential top talent just sitting there waiting. So yeah, now's the time.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I maybe I'd like Kofi to turn on Big E. I'd rather see the Kofi heel run now.
1: It's just, it would it would kind of be like what I just said about Seth. Everybody's waiting for Dean to be the one that would, that would that would turn his back on the Shield, and you know, everybody's kind of waiting for Big E because he looks like he'd be the more heelish, you know, just based upon his size. Yeah, what if Kofi did it? Kofi,
3: I think yeah. Kofi'd be more fun as a heel, you know. And and, and,
1: and, and Biggie's very fun as a babyface.
3: And, and you know, when you work as a heel, you don't have to do as many big high spots, right? You got to tone it down a little bit, which could be a good change of pace for Kofi right now, you know. So
1: yeah, and Biggie, Biggie's, Biggie's great as a babyface. So yeah, yeah.
3: Hmm. food for thought. Uh, Wrestling News caught up with Kane Velasquez and Rey Mysterio. Kane uh, Velasquez confirmed. His WWE deal is for three years, which is great. I think I'm very excited. I know that not everybody's really excited about Cain Velasquez and WWE. You know, say what you will about his physique and all that. But I I do. I, I liked what he did in AAA. I think it's great. I'm looking forward to seeing him grow and become a superstar. I think Cain Velasquez will be wonderful. Um, WWE NXT superstar Catalina Garcia made her Raw debut alongside Sin Cara. Uh, he, she uh, helped him even the odds against Andrade and Zelina Vega. Zelina has already called out Garcia for a match next week on Raw. So cool, a female luchadora on television. That's cool. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. uh, My favorite story currently, the Rusev Lana Lashley. (laughs) The main event of Monday Night Raw, Justin. The most important thing in all of Raw. Uh, Well, first of all, regarding this storyline, Ryback TV, uh, Ryback, who had Rajon again this past week, by the way, Ryback claimed that Rusev is currently involved in contract negotiations with WWE. He said, I love Rusev. I talked to him, but I think it's effing stupid for him to do this angle. And I mean that from a fact that yes, it is acting and it is fake, but now they have full control over your character, over a really uh, crappy angle that could be humiliating. If you choose to resign, choose not to resign, he's going to look horrendous in all of this. They got him. Um, (laughs) He does. Dude, Rusev, when that started, it's is it weird that he just doesn't look like he cares at all about this, <laughs> right? Well, that
1: was the case up until you know. I will say, you know, once once Lashley started coming out, and then like Rusev starts taking the shirt off, he's to he you know. I mean. And you read his lips. I mean, that's, and then, and then, and then, you know, he he kicked Lashley right in the head before Lashley even got in the ring. I mean, that actually finally felt like, man, people were on their feet. People were making noise. This guy is fighting angry like you would think. He takes the ring and he's shoving the ring into in Lashley's face and his mouth and hitting him with it. That, fe- I mean, it, it, it's, it's, he finally actually did. It finally actually did feel like, wow, we have some true personal fire and emotion here.
3: Okay, but before that, he did not look like he cared at all what was happening, right?
1: Well, right. Well, 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 he just wanted Lana back because he 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 wanted it in the kitchen. He wanted it at WrestleMania. He wanted. He
3: He, was just. He's a sex addict. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Which what a which what a great way to further a guy's babyface run is to have arguably the the most hottest female in WWE say this guy won't stop (laughs) won't stop. He's a sex addict. (laughs) That's just a great. You want to have sex with me too
3: often, so I'm here with Bobby, and Bobby knows boundaries, and Bobby doesn't. Bobby's asexual. He does, we had sex one time, but it was very nice, and now he just does. He just works out and <laughs> stares at himself in the, in the mirror. He's the perfect right. man. He's a perfect man, Rusev.
1: Right, um, it, it makes no. It, it makes no sense to what she's saying because I mean, obviously, we've seen the clip of them in the bedroom, and then they're always like. <laughs> Her crazy kissing is like, well, you seem like you're kind of into it. So, why is it a problem? That, and then, then she says that Rusev cheated on her. And it's, it's, uh, it's so, it's, it, but you know what? It's so wild, but it's the most watched video on their YouTube sure. from yesterday. It's
3: just, yeah. I will say, yeah, once the fighting happened, that was, that was, there was some energy there to, to close the show. It was just very jar. It's like he's too, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He either cares or he does not care. It's one of the other, yeah. Right but,
1: you know, people might, people might vote, you know, there might be a loud, it might be a loud voice of people that are bashing this or think it's stupid, but maybe some of those same people are, are voyeuristically and incur- curious, curious and are watching this video because, like I said, it, it is the most watched v- video from Roman Romandani Raw. So people are caring about this Rusev, Lana, Lashley, whether they want to admit it or not.
3: Voyeuristic. You make it sound so seedy. Uh, <laughs> well, WWE, it is. WWE put out a report that said the Cleveland Police Department last Monday night arrested Rusev after he confronted Lana and Lashley at a restaurant And attack Lashley. Rusev was released. No charges pressed by his wife or Lashley. Uh, Lashley said the following on Lana's YouTube channel. I get very, very bad comments. Ones I don't want to say on camera right now. Vulgar death threats. There's a lot of things, but, you know, I'm not a hard person to find. Blah, blah, blah. He gets death threats over this, man. I believe that. I believe that Bobby Lashley has gotten death threats over either what he is doing to Rusev or how terrible this is. Like, people that just don't like the storyline, you know? Oh, I believe him. You know, crazy times. Don't, don't threaten to kill people. I shouldn't have to say that. Um, well, speaking of threats, things got heated over the weekend between Hulk Hogan and a fan at a bar. Actually, I guess last Friday, Barstool, Barstool Sports released a video of Hogan at a bar. Um, and he said the following to a fan in a moment of very a- in heated anger. He said, you know what, brother? I got a right to have a few moments by myself. Let me tell you something, brother. The last time I had a Shirley Temple was when me and your wife got together. <laughs> Now, Hogan, Hogan has, you know, props to, props, that's a good line. Now, here's the story on that line here real quick. Now, Hogan.
1: Last time we had a Shirley Temple, Gawker was filming it.
3: Hogan released a follow-up Facebook video explaining he was trying to, he was at the bar, he was with Ric Flair, it was after SmackDown, they were trying to have a drink, Rick was playing heel, he was running off the fans that were trying to harass them, and uh, so you're sitting in this booth, and some of the fans that were upset that the Hogan and Flair wouldn't take a photo or whatever sent them some Shirley Temples. He had the bartender deliver them to Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair um, and called them uh, a derogatory word. And uh, that is when Ric Flair, I guess, gave that line to Hulk Hogan, who would then go on to deliver it after Ric Flair had left the bar. And that's really a thing that, you know, it's just it's just great that wrestlers. That's like a thing they bond over. They're like, "Here's a really good line for this promo you're about to cut on that guy." I'll talk to you later. I'm going to my room. Just (laughs) the things wrestlers do. It's just funny to me. Um, WWE Games issued the following statement about the 2K20 glitches and bugs. We are listening closely to the feedback. That's been shared regarding 2K20 and are aware of the concerns some players are reporting. We're working hard to investigate the concerns and address them as necessary. We expect to have an initial patch ready in the next two weeks with others to follow. Stay tuned to WWE Games social media channels for more info. So they're trying to do their best to get that under control. Still, uh, ridiculous gifts abound on Twitter with glitches and bugs. Uh, Adam Rose shared a photo on Instagram featuring himself. He's bulked up now to 258 pounds. He used to be like around 176 uh he shared this crazy photo he's just huge now and he tagged nxt and aew this guy he must love juice orange juice that's what he looked like he looks like a guy that would love some grape juice or something like that juice just it loves looks like he loves juice is what i'm thinking justin
1: uh yeah i think uh he probably found some juice on the exotic express i think so yes big man
3: i'd love to you know if he's good and clean and everything we joke but man he he's got a story and he looks completely different now just weird go find it uh and last but not least here former, he, looks, he looks
1: like the cousin of scott norton
3: he does it's scott norton he kind of looked like braun it kind of looks like braun Strowman. i i would buy him now as like the younger brother of braun Strowman, or older brother i guess he looks older
1: which wouldn't that be funny because braun Strowman was once a, was once a rosebud
3: you know what The ideas are free, people. There you go. Anyway. Uh, Former WWE Divas Champion, Caitlyn, a.k.a. Celeste Bonnet, became the first Slam Force Africa women's champion at the University of Pretoria in Pretoria, South Africa. The event was streamed on Fight. She defeated Katie Forbes for the title. And that is our last piece of news there. Congratulations to Caitlyn there. She looks great. She could, you know, she could come back to WWE in the women's division. She'd be great at Impact. they got an incredible women's division right now
1: yeah i like the little bit of uh physical transformation and look she's she's got a little bit more personality and character herself she doesn't look as a uh, you know she looked kind of bland and generic when she was uh in WWE the first time now she looks a little more like a star and uh yeah and i mean certainly you know wb nxt impact aew certainly can use some some more depth so uh so this is good this is a good sign for her and for the women's uh division uh, of wrestling all around the world I'm here with the man,
5: WWE Hall of Famer, Diamond Dallas Page. Di- Diamond uh, Dallas, it's been a little while. How have you been?
6: Nah, man. Same. Uh, in a good way. I'm um, really, like, so I've been on, I've still been, God, traveling almost as as I did back in, in my heyday of wrestling and stuff and got my sleep all out of whack and stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to literally try just to be home right now for a while and settled in and... Uh, like, I, yeah, I wouldn't even have, uh, I wouldn't, I wasn't supposed to be at, a, at you know, uh, at the AEW show. Cody called me, like, the day before. He goes, hey, can you do this? And, like, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm literally trying to be home more, you know.
5: Well, you're, you've been all over TV lately. You've been on AEW. Uh, of course, you're on AEW uh, when we're recording this. It was last night. Um came out big surprise you were one of Cody's four uh, guys against uh, the inner circle huge pop what was it like to just kind of feel that pop and, and it, it wasn't like as a a legend it was more as a, a participant you know what I mean?
6: Yeah you know well you have to go back to what you know I started with Cody on this um, first of all you know I don't have a contract I'm not employed by The AEW. I don't try, like, I'm doing this for Cody. And you have to understand that uh, it's a thing of, uh, I'll give you an example. Without Dusty Rhodes, there's no Diamond Dolls page. I don't have, I don't, probably don't have everything. I'm, I'm positive. I don't have everything that I've been able to accomplish. And a lot of it had to do with the dream giving me the opportunity. Well, being as close as we were, you know, I've known Cody since he was 12 years old. And we just hit it off immediately. He had an, an uncanny, like, awareness of the business. And I can remember, you know, calling Dusty and talking to him. And, you know, and then Cody get on the phone. And I'd say, so what do you think of this match? And What do you think of that match? And he would give, like, his critiquing at 12 years old, you know. And um, I remember a time where I was getting ready to go WWE. Dusty had Turnbuckle Entertainment. And uh, it was like a little federation that he had. And I was over there, you know, training, getting ready to get in the ring, and Cody was in there. He's like, I would say 14 at the time. And, uh, you know, um, I said, hey, man, I said, when are you going to start football? And he was like, uh, I'm not going to play football this year. I'm like, what are you talking about? You play football every year. Like, you love football. He goes, yeah, I do. He goes, but I want to focus on wrestling. Like, Cody was like, Dustin didn't get as much as much time when he was younger because Dusty was always on the road. And it was tough. You know, it was like played out on TV at times that there was like turmoil between the two of them because of it, you know, and they used that. Uh And it made great television because, I mean, those two really, really loved each other. But, you know, it's like that, you know, that when your son doesn't get enough time. Well, Dream did not want to fuck that up again. Like, he wanted, he was going to spend time with Cody. He'd been coaching him since he was nine years old playing football. I went and talked, you know, two times to the kids, you know. And when he told me he wasn't playing football, I was like, wow. uh, So, you know, what's the deal? He said, well, I'm going to focus on wrestling. Now, he was going to be a sophomore that year. And uh, I was like, uh, so you're going to focus on wrestling? He goes, yeah. My junior year, next year, I'm going to win the state championship. (laughs) I was like, wow. That's a bold statement. And I always called him Young Buck back then. (laughs) I, just, I mean, it just, I just did. I knew mean, it was like weird that how this has all come together, you know, uh, but, uh, like big, that's a big, big, big uh, goal there. Young buck, you know, what that's going to take me. He's like, yeah, I'll have to work my ass off. So he knew like he puts on the back of his belts that he wears, like put the work in, like the kid gets that and got it way back then. And then, and then I went to LA, WWE, of course, didn't work out for me. And I moved to LA did the acting thing and was junior year man I, you know, I call him up and like hey man how you doing he goes man I'm 11 and 0. it's really going good I, I'm really I, I'm all the hard work it's paying off and I call him back and he's 20 and, 0. and I call him back and he's 33 and 0. And I'm like, man, that's amazing. He's like, oh, Dallas, you don't understand. It's been amazing. I, the, they, the Eyewitness News came here, and then they did the, 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 the at Atlanta Constitution, you know, the big paper. They did a story of me and my dad. And, you know, you just thought I'd go, go, hey, slow down, young buck. Uh, I think I got an idea. <laughs> you know, I, am, I think I'm a three-time world champion. You know, come on, D, I don't mean that. And, you know, and I, I, just said, I, said, I just started laughing, and I was like, Listen, here's the key. Keep your feet on the ground there, buddy. Because you know, right now there's a big bullseye on your back. And you got to keep your feet on the ground, keep putting the work. And I tell you what, you get to the state finals, I'll be there. He's like, you're going to come from LA? I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. I was there. I watched him go 48-0. The next year, around his 11th or 12th match, he, uh, he lost. And I called him up. I knew. I called him up, I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing, man? He's like, Dallas, I lost. I lost, man. I was like, thank God. And he was like, what? Why would you say that? I was like, coach, do you think you learn anything from winning? (laughs) Bro, you learn from losing. You learn from falling down. I mean, that's, you make mistakes and that's how you learn. I go, would you rather have faced that kid been 44 0 in the quarterfinals and then he beat you? He's like, no, I never thought about it like that. I said, did you learn from the mistakes? Like, absolutely. I said, you're gonna work on that. And you know, this kid, the biggest thing that he thinks, his biggest Achilles heel is he thinks he beat you. And um, bottom line is, I said, the biggest thing that this kid has here now and it's going to be his Achilles heel. I go, he thinks he beat you. I go, you know, right now, you're going to make up those mistakes. And bottom line is, I was there again at the state championship. And in how they do it is, in Georgia, if you're a state champion, you get your five family members on the floor. And there was his family members were on the floor with him. And Cody looks at Dusty and he goes, Dad, get Dallas down here. And I don't remember who left, but somebody left. And I went down there and sat on the mat with him down there. And I watched him whoop that guy's ass. (laughs) He he owned him. And we had a thing where he was going to go to, thinking about either going to college or going to L.A. to pursue an acting career. And because I was out there, you know, I was like, you know, I said, dude, I, his junior year, because he won the state championship, I, I brought him out for a week. He came out and stayed with me, and he had the greatest time. He got to meet Terry Crews before Terry Crews was anyone on the set of a, a movie called Soul Plane. And I told I, told, I told Cody, I said, this guy going to be one of the biggest stars in the world. Look at him now. He's done everything. He got to hang with Rob Zombie. We were at the House of a Thousand Corpses premiere. He was there at that time. It was like a fantasy thing for a high school kid to come out into. And um, his senior year, you know, he was going to make a decision. If he won the state championship, he was going to go to L.A. If he didn't win, he was going to think about going to college. But he hadn't made up his mind yet. So after he won the match. I walked up to him and I said, so uh, you know, who are you uh, where, where are you going to go? you going to go to college? Did you make up your mind? He said, I made up my mind before I got here. I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, I decided I was already, I was going to Hollywood. I said, really? I said, what if you lost? And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, come on, you know, failure was never an option. <laughs> so when he asked me, he was over my house having dinner, and he asked me if I would mind being one of the five guys that came out with him on that very first all-in pay-per-view, which is what it turned into. wasn't a pay-per-view when we were talking. It, it was just an independent match. And, um, you know, let me digress here. When Dusty was alive, he would always talk about he had five friends that he could really count on. and he could count them on one hand, and he always told me I was one of them. And when he passed, Cody had called me, and he said, um, after you know, after I was told, you know that he'd passed. yeah you know, I believe Michelle called me his his, his wife, Cody's mom and, uh He'd called me and he said, you know, you know, Dusty, he he always calls him Dusty. It's pretty funny to me. He said, you know, Dusty wanted you to know that, you know, he had five friends and there are friends who have come off on the list and off the list and gotten back on the list. He said, but one person never came off that list as Dallas. So, for him to have asked me to do that, that was super cool. And, uh, and uh, it was a huge honor for me. And I never really thought about anything about it, you know, as far as, you know, where it would go, what was going to happen. Because he didn't know. I mean, he was back there having a the time of his life because he didn't know if this was going to last one time or what it's turned into. You know, but he didn't know if it was going to last one time or not. So he's going to have the most fun. So went out there, we did that, and then of course it turned into the second one, double or nothing, and and um, uh, you know Tony Khan got involved, and it got way bigger. And you know over in inside of that period, um, you know the Bucks had been doing their thing, and the Bucks had created something really cool. And with a lot of people being able to follow them, you know, on their YouTube show. So Cody and I had done a couple of different interviews over that, you know, time when he left the WWE. And when he left the WWE, you have to really think about that. How many guys walk away from a guaranteed half a million dollars a year? You know, to follow a dream, to think that, like. Just because, and the same thing happens in TV, you know, and in movies. They don't think you can draw the big money, so they give it to somebody else. But they don't know what you can really be till they give you the opportunity, like a real opportunity. So he thought, I'm going to go make my own. So we did an interview that Christmas, and going into the new year. And then the next year he was going to Japan. So we did the interview right before new year's and you know, it was like on the celebration of, uh, all in. And, uh, so what do you see next? And then all of this has happened. So any time that he had asked me to do something, you know, when it came to, um, filming and stuff in the beginning or, if he needed me to come to his show, like I wouldn't charge him. I mean, again, without his old man, it, you know, it's kind of hollow ground to me. I mean, I wouldn't be here. And I also wanted him to know, as this was starting to grow, that the reason why, you know, I'm not going to take a contract with AEW cause I still want to work with WWE cause you know, my fitness and wellness plan is really important to me. And I know how Tommaso and Gorgano and and you know and Stacy uh Lacey Evans and the, you know the people who are there who I've done it with, you know, Shayna, you know, all the different artists that who are there and I know I helped them by um getting given to my program and helping them. So I wanted to help the boys and the girls and of course, a W but in WWE, like I've been doing for years. So I didn't really want to take any kind of a contract deal with that. But I also, when I talked to code about it, I also wanted him to know that if I was giving him any kind of advice, it wouldn't be tainted. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like, cause when you're, when you're making money there and, you know, and then we can do this right here and then I can do this and I can do that, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, is that, it's not like that. Like we just talk about the business like we have since he was 12 years old, you know, which is, you know, 20 plus years now. Um, so, uh, when he asked me to do this you know, I haven't done anything, you know, for a while. And He just called up and he goes, I got an idea. Yeah, Yeah. what do you think? I said, sure, I'll do it. Do you need me there? I really wanted to stay home. Be perfectly (laughs) honest, because I just got back from three days in Dallas, and and I wanted to go home. But for him, I hop on a plane and whenever he needs me, I'm going to be there. Because first of all, I think that the work they're putting in is awesome. I think that you know, I think the product has been, you know damn close to amazing especially when you talk, talk about how fast they put this all together like um, you know the biggest part of it has been the fans The fans have just been unbelievable you know they there if, if there's two guys in the ring the fans are the third guy you know if there's right. four guys in the ring the fans are the fifth guy and so on because these fans and Dusty always used to say to me, you know, because I never got to work ECW. And ECW, he he used to say, D, I'm so, I'm so pissed. I wish, I wish you could have been there, D, because you would have loved it. Because you loved the business. You would have loved popping those people. And when Dusty Rhodes showed up at ECW, the roof exploded. And it was like 1,700 people there, maybe, you know, jammed into a bingo hall, losing their minds because Dusty's doing some elbows. You know, it was right. incredible. And that's how I kind of felt last night. Because I've gotten good pops every time I've come out right. or anything I've done done there. But last night, you know, with the music and shit, and that was, you know, I was trying to, um, to do... Uh, another ripoff of smells like teen spirit because I wanted <laughs> to bring back that WCW field. Right. And uh, my, my buddy Mikey, who's the music guy for them, who's amazing. Um, he put one together. It was awesome. And apparently too awesome because the VP at Turner went, ah, ah you're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are you familiar with the band Jackal?
5: I don't think I've heard of them now.
6: Well, back in the, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, um, and, you know, the, the real rock scene was kind of taking a second, you know, and it had its monster heyday. But these guys came out with a friggin' album that Jesse Dupree plays, like, he just doesn't just sing and play, you know, guitar and all that. He plays the, uh, the chainsaw and wah, 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 wah. wah. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> and it was one of my favorite albums. I would work out that this work, this, this first album they had, I can't tell you how many times when I was working independent with Jake, um, for, for that year, when I blew my shoulder out and that, uh, Jake took me under his wing, um, I, I would come out to stand alone, which is one of their songs. So I called Jesse late Tuesday night and I said, "Jess, you know, he was in a meeting and I said, I need to talk to you now. He got out of the meeting, said, what's up Dallas? And I said, I'm about to come back to, you know, do something with AW, and they want music and you know, I want something I, I know I can't get standalone cause your record album owns that. Is there anything that's like that that would fit me? And he goes, I got something for you. And he sent me his song, Screwdriver. So, you know, I've been doing It's Me, It's DDP forever, you know. So I just put that up there and then let that music start to play. And there's a was a little beat in between it where I could go self, high five, and then hit that badass rock music that they got. And I came out to that man and did that slow walk out there last night. And, man, you could just... I mean, it was it was electric, man. And people already had their hands in the Simon diamond cutter when I threw it up. The other half did, and I mean, it was uh, it was a hell of a pop. Yeah, it, it, I mean, know, it, it was a hell of a pop.
5: It was it was awesome. We were we were talking on our podcast last night of all the shows this week. That was my favorite segment uh, of the week, and I think a lot of people watching that uh, just from watching wrestling, it, it seemed like. They're building to an eight-man tag next week. Now, you've said in the past that you're not going to wrestle again. You might do a, uh, a spot here or something, but you wouldn't wrestle again. Is this leading to a match? Would can you Would you wrestle one more match?
6: Um, I, you know, I don't. I got to say no. Um, like, truthfully, I'm not working yet. <laughs> My body feels too good right now. I don't want to screw anything up. It's funny. I remember Bruno San Martino. I was doing a second thing for him and I was in my early 50s and Larry it was going to be me and Larry, Bruno in my corner and I said to Bruno, I said, and then at the end, Bruno, you come in and bam, 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 bam in the corner and shoot him to me and I'll hit him with a diamond cutter. He's like, no, no, diamond. He was 71 at the time. Like, no, no, uh, you know, I, I'm good. Like you know, I feel so good right now. I don't want to play with it. <laughs> and I didn't really understand that, you know, because when I was 51 or two, I still felt like I could run through a brick wall. At 63, you know, I kind of understand it, but <laughs> sure, sure as hell, man. At the end of that match, Bruno got in there and lit Larry up and the place went crazy. So, you know, just doing the um, you know, just doing the you know the uh the stuff with the boys back there in Santana. I mean, I, I mean I love those guys. I mean, those guys are they him, him and Ortiz, they're, they're, they, there. They 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 they're just magic. You know, and I yeah. I I'm, I'm, I'm not putting them over because he's my friend, but to me and I said this in another interview with Bill After. Yeah, I really think Chris Jericho is the best wrestler in the world. Like overall, yeah. I'm not talking about his work in the ring because that's still great. I'm talking about every facet of what he's doing mm-hmm. and how he's how he's managing it with a rock star career. I mean You know, like, like we've done a lot of this filming, like all the segments, it went from us doing everything for nothing. Like we, for, for Cody, again, I was just helping him because Bucks had created something really cool with their, you know, the elite thing that they would do and creating their own show. And, you know, those guys are amazing marketeers. They are amazing. And I wanted to do something special like that for Cody when he was coming up. And then he came up with some stuff. And basically my, my, my president of my company, Steve, you, who is also the director of the resurrection of Jake, the snake, you know, Steve, Yeah. you know, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant cat. Um, he's also, um, He's a executive producer of our next documentary, uh, which Nathan Mowry is the director. Of one of our other guys, who works here here uh, in our production team. Uh, it's called Relentless, and it's from me blowing my back out to where we are today. And it's literally finished, and now we're just, you know, giving it to the lawyers and all that stuff to check out. Um, but it's super inspirational. It's really, it's you know it's, it's super, it's really well done. And again, you know, Steve oversaw that. And, um, you know, he, he came in and you know, he was lo- loving creating stuff with Cody. And, uh, you know, now it's like, like our production, you know, Kevin Sullivan would not the Kevin Sullivan, <laughs> uh, the wrestler, who uh, who is a genius booker, um, uh, and worker in the day. Uh, but this is another Kevin Sullivan who does all of the um, um, he does all of the, the walls that you see when the entrance walls when they come in mm-hmm. I mean he's he's really really good but all the interviews the storylines stuff like that, that's what Steve and the boys do yeah. and again um, you know it's been super cool to watch our production company which is called comeback Studios like grow and grow off of this and you know at some point, it went from us doing it for nothing to getting paid, you know, and our guys worked their ass off and put out a pretty good product. And, and no one really knew that. And I really wanted to keep that under wraps because I, you know, because I really wanted to do stuff still with, you know, WWE and the guys. And uh, and uh, when they didn't put me on the legends that they had every, right, <laughs> right. every single legend and Hall of Famer there, I guess, you know, I was getting like, okay, I'm not going (laughs) to use you anymore, D. And then I called, just to see, I called down the, you know, the PC, I talked to Matt Bloom, and he was, you know, he called me back and said, listen, D, you're working with those guys now, so, you know, we're not going to have you down here. I was like, okay, buddy, you know, just just thank you for calling me and let me know, because I, WWE is very good to me. You know, they were, you know, it wasn't great when I first got there (laughs) years ago, but the last seven, eight years was phenomenal, and I'm, very, you know, um, grateful to the run that I got to do with them and the Hall of Fame and, you know, the Rumble and, you know, I love all those guys up there. You know, to me, uh, it's, uh, I understand it's business, um, but it, uh, you know, to me the the biggest winner is is the wrestling fan because it's not just, you know, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, AEW, ROH, TNA, NWA. <laughs> I mean, MLW. Is, MLW. Right, right. There is so much wrestling, yeah, right now that for AEW to have the share of it that they have with the fans, like I say, that fan is a third person in the, you know, in the in the ring, in the business. Uh, they are ravenous. I mean, yeah. You mean, I would actually really, you know, I really don't see it happening. And my, some diamond cutters, I got, I got plenty of those left in me, you know? Right. Um, but, you know, actually working, I don't really know. I, I'm going to say no, no right now, because, you know, there I'd have to get paid. <laughs> 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 to take any kind of bubs, bubs. But, uh, um, you know, I, I just think these young guys are just so amazing. I mean the, the the shit that they can do, and when they mix it with the selling, then they really have my attention. But just the athletic ability is literally mind boggling to me. I mean these guys are way better athletes, than, you know, than we were. You know, I think we, what we did was something different, um, but it's still the same. And I think everything will get back to. That basic thing, and if you watch a, a Jericho match or a Rhodes match, um, you really see like that 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 old and new school. Yeah, you know, spot. Um, In the, it, um, yeah, like what 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 Pac and uh, and uh, friggin' the man did Omega last night. Right. I, mean, I mean, these guys these guys are fucking phenomenal. Now the the young bucks, I don't know how they do it. I mean. You know, freaking, and the and the brothers, man, the Lucha Brothers. I I don't I don't know how these guys do what they do. Yeah, I I, because I've been out there and taking a few bumps.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to go back to something you just said a a little bit ago. Um, So, and I'm not kissing up. This is uh, my podcast last night with Matt Morgan and Glenn Rubenstein. I was talking about how, you know, the one thing there's so much great wrestling right now, but the one thing I really miss from back in the day. Were the organic promos and the the storytelling, and there was uh, you know uh, AEW lately uh, with the Jericho promo that that segment last night, and then there was that there was that video with Cody that I just loved building his match with Jericho. Were you saying that video uh, was that done with by your production center, or uh, were you saying some of the other videos that you guys have done?
6: No, no, that, we did that. I we love it.
5: that. See, I I really missed that in wrestling that kind of reality based storytelling, I feel like that's been missing for a long time, and uh, I thought that was just oh. fantastic
6: that that's the art of Steve you like the the story behind the story right like that's that's the quan right, to me Mm-hmm. and that's what you know makes it to me different and you know Jericho works that way big time you know. Cody works that way big time. So does Dustin. Like, they, you know, they, God, Jericho and I were talking about last night. I mean, like, 30 years. And still being on top. You know, guys who did that, you you can name them off. Like, they're super easy to say because it's Flair, it's Dusty, Hogan, Savage, friggin' uh, Jericho. Um, I don't know many guys who did the 30. You know, mm-hmm. the 30 years. Michael's got really close to that. Taker's really close to that, but I don't think they got the 30 years. Don't know. I don't really know. Sean was pretty young when he started, but I don't know if he got 30. He might have. because yeah. He was another guy who... He's talking about a guy that was ahead of his time yeah like i mean he's you know i put you know like when i think of the best of all time i think about rick and sean because of the length of time the promo the you know just everything
7: you know the the,
6: the renovations the the re the the, you know the the reincarnations right you know it's 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 tough when you get to that Mount Rushmore like Steve Austin will always be one of my absolute favorites to watch and not because he was my buddy but because he made me laugh and friggin oh my god and he he made like it was he made it real you know um I mean his shit was spot on yeah but but his career wasn't, you know, he could because of the neck, you know, he didn't get the twenty or thirty in, because if he could have, his son of a bitch would still be out there. <laughs>
5: right. Yeah.
6: Kick it kick it ass. Yeah. <laughs> I did want
5: to ask you too about the look of the show with Dynamite, and because um, one of my favorite things is it's not over overproduced. It reminds me of Nitro, in in a great way, like it it feels like a sporting event. But it doesn't have just lights everywhere. It, it, uh, it, 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 I feel like every promotion tries to look like Raw are SmackDown. AEW does not at all. It has its own look and feel. Um, what are your thoughts on just the, you know, with Cody behind the scenes and how you'd work with Dusty? What are some of the things you see, some of the similarities between Cody and Dusty behind the
6: scenes and some of the differences? Man that first time he was back there and at all in and literally did a production meeting in the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) It's grown since that. Yeah. But that's what, I mean, and everybody walked by while he was even talking. Hey, good. Everything good. All right, man, have fun out there. Like if there's pressure, if there is like, like a, a world laying on his shoulders, you know, and there is, you know, because there's so much to do because he goes from the back to, you know, to tell everybody what everybody's doing, to to go into the headsets, to getting changed, coming back get on the cans, go to the ring, do his shit, come back, dry off, get back to behind the, the headsets. It goes to the gorilla position again. I mean, and the whole time, he has one, one one mission statement that I see. And this is what kind of makes it different. Have fun out there. Mm. (laughs) You know, like, because again, if you're out there and you're having fun, everybody is having fun. Everybody is, like, in the moment. You know, um, God, there's so much great talent there, too, and they're they're finding you know they're finding out and they're you gotta remember these guys are pulling a good rating. you know it's not fucking crazy ratings by stretch, but no one' even knows who they are right except for the hardcore wrestling fans. So other people are tuning in and they're grabbing a hold and you know um it's 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 pretty amazing to me. But again, pretty much it's kind of like my company, like if you went, it walked into DDP yoga performance center, you would say those people, they give a shit, like they care and they're so positive and, you know, and, and, and they, they want it. they, they care about you. And like all that starts with me
2: mm-hmm.
6: because that's how I feel about people. I don't even know who are doing my you know, DDP wide program and all that. And it's the same thing there. Tony Khan, who is a fucking billionaire, super accessible, and the nicest guy, like nice and smiley, and just happy to be there as anybody, like regular dude. And then it goes down to Cody on down the list, man. And uh, it's 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 just it's fun to just be around the energy, you yeah. Know, and Again, for me, if he needs me to do something, then I'm going to do it. You know, get in the ring. That would, you know, again, I, I, want, I want the young boys to do their thing. These are the guys. These are these are the superstars. If I can help something to just, you know, help them get any little cred or whatever. You know, I did it back in the TNA days. You know, when they brought in me and Scott and Kev, that's what got them on Spike. Mm-hmm. You know, like these guys are already on TNT. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and this is a whole new group of people who really, because of and I'm very grateful again, I'll say it again to WWE, because the network, you know, that's where 90% of those people who I walked out in front of last night, what they saw, they didn't see DDP Live there's probably 20% of the people in that building grew up watching me. The rest of them saw it on the network or YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so, so that's pretty cool, man. You know, uh, again, just fun to be a part of it. And, you know, I'm really excited about, you know, comeback studios and our production team and that we're willing to help. And again, um, you know, um, anybody from the WWE, you know, any of the boys, the girls, anybody from that, or, you know, for that matter, TNA or ROH or, you know, MLW, you know, any of those guys who wanted my program, all I do is get in touch with and I just put them on the app and turn it on. I give it to them because I know what kind of punishment they're putting their bodies through. And I know how the program can help it. One of the things I'm proudest of is that we are a, in a partnership affiliation with the NFL alumni now. And some of those guys that I'm working with, man, I can't, I'm not going to tell you the guy's name, but he played in the league for five years. He played across from Dick Buckus. He's in his seventies and he wrote in a text to me after doing the program for six weeks. And he did not, a tough son of a bitch, 72 years old, played, you know, just as tough as he could be. And the last thing he wants to do is use a chair, you know, to help him. Like part of our rebuild program. And I was like, bro, you've got to use the chair. You know, just you got to trust me here. Because eventually, maybe you won't have to. But for right now, it's going to help break up scar tissue, create strength. It's going to get you more mobile and strong. Six weeks later, I swear to God, Ron, she sends me a text D-D-P-Y alert, blank, blank, just wiped his ass for the first time in five years. Dang. Wow. D-D-P, your shit works literally. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I laughed so loud, and I wrote it back. And that's just honest, because when your body gets so beat up, you can't turn. Right. And that you talk about, now you feel less of something, less of a person. And then you get that back. Like, that's strong, man. Right. And yeah. and if, if if you start this when you're younger, like, I mean, Damien Sandow. You know, I don't know what name he'll come back as whatever, wherever he's going to wrestle. But, you know, he contacted me and he got it as preventative maintenance years ago. But he, he, he called me up. He's like, "D, can you send me the? You know, I I I phone. I don't have the password that you gave me years ago. Can you set me up?" I said, "Fuck yeah, I'll set you up, brother." <laughs> you know, and, and any of the guys, you know, that uh, and I do it for entertainers too, and people who, you know, really put that work in that are out there entertaining people. You know, so to be able to get help some of these guys, and I, the one guy I really want to fucking help and. Yeah, you know, we talk every once in a while. My fellow Jersey boy, that crazy bastard, Joey Janaro. Oh, man.
8: <laughs> oh, my God. I
6: walked by him last night and I was like, ice, bro. Ice, <laughs> ice, ice. Right. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to ice. I'm thinking, yeah, sure you are. And he goes, I swear to God, November, I'm going to start doing your program. i like, yeah, okay. But Santana came up to me and MRTs are going to come down and, nice. you know, they're going to come and work with me. And, you know i just say i i i like i just say it that gives me the most joy because i know they're going to not be at as, they're, they're it's going to help them prevent injury you know and and help them not you know later as well as now <laughs> right later you
5: know. so i i know you're uh, super busy i just have one more question for you um and i wanted to ask you about eric bischoff he recently left wwe he was the executive director of smackdown for a few months um you know i consider bischoff to be a hall of famer the risks he took the decisions he made are felt today it's changed the business do you could you see aew using someone like bischoff either behind the scenes or on screen
6: um, you know, I don't know. I think they want to keep everything super tight right now. But, you know, I wouldn't... You know, I, Bischoff is, first of all, amazing on camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the best heel characters of all time. I mean, he really is. And he loves being, playing that character. Because that is not Eric Bischoff. And if anybody's seen him at any of the... Uh, on his podcast or heard him on his podcast or, or see him in any kind of signing or star catches. You see, this guy's super, super cool dude and super smart. Um, I think that, you know, maybe the style up there, um, you know, uh, it just, it, maybe it didn't mesh. you know, it's like, uh, it's kind of like when you're up in that spot, it's you know up there in New York. It's kind of like being a manager for the Yankees back in the eighties. <laughs> you know, right. You, you're gonna they're gonna keep you. They're gonna give you a shot. And if things don't work that way, then on to the next. But there's nobody I've ever seen in my life who always lands on his feet and always does great. It's Eric Bischoff. You know, uh, been proud to call him you know one of my close friends for forever, and. Uh, If he's not a Hall of Famer, I really don't know who is. Because that cat changed the business. And he changed it in a way where there wasn't 37 different wrestling companies. There was one that was Goliath. And two, which was a little bit bigger than David. And before you know it, for 83 weeks, they were... You know, w, he he turned WCW into Goliath, and um, I, I I was there through it all, and up until a certain point, he saw it. I never saw it like that. I never saw in those early years as we were just starting. You know, this. I'm talking about like '94 on. I I didn't see it. Till '96, that it was possible. '97 came around and we were, you know, that's when my career blew up, and we were kicking their ass,
2: mm-hmm.
6: you know. But the ratings were ridiculous <laughs> for both sides. Yeah, like, like they were ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you'll ever see anything like that again. Uh, right now, it's super fun. You know, for the uh, the Wednesday night war, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those kids down there—you talk about talent. Like those kids got crazy talent. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm really interested to see what they do in in the months to come. Um, you know, it's uh just, just a lot. Like I say, there's a lot of talent down there. And um, it'll see it'll see what they got. You know, how this rolls through.
5: Absolutely. Well, uh, Dallas, thanks so much again. It's it was great talking to you. you. I know you got a lot going on. DDPY your Production Center. Um, how can uh, how can users sign up for DDPY right now?
6: Well, you know, DDPY. You notice. Thank you for calling it that because that's that's the branding now. DDPY. Why? Because I want people to stop calling it just fucking yoga because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I never developed it for yogis. I developed for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. Like, you know, guys like me. And like today, I respected all. I love all types of yoga. I think it's amazing. But it's not what I do. It's not what I teach. And uh, and I always tell people, don't listen to a word I have to say. Just go to Twitter, at Real DDP, at DDP Yoga. You're going to see people posting that a lot of them, I don't even know who they are. Um, you can go to Instagram at Diamond Dallas Page, at DDP Yoga. And the reason why I don't know who they are, because they just started posting. As they go along, you wouldn't believe how many of the people that do my program that have become friends. You know, like really good friends that we call and talk to each other. And, um, you know, the people who put the work in. Anybody goes to ddpy.com, well, You know, it's a, you got seven days free on the app, or you can, if you're old school, you can get the DVDs. If you're right now, it's 20% off on every, you know, on everything. I never go more than 30% ever. And that's the Christmas times, you know, that comes up. But if you're a veteran, it is always 50% off. Always Veterans Day on the DVDs and the app you just have to go through fill out a form you know we, you know we get to see you know where you're from it gets checked out and you get clicked off and you know you get 50 percent off because i've been to iraq three times i've been to afghanistan once only for 13 days at a time because that's a long time there and those poor sons of bitches they spend a lot more time than that and our workouts now go from laying in bed, our rebuild program, to sitting in a chair, to using a chair for balance and strength, right on up the beginner, intermediate, advanced, psycho extreme. You know, and it's, there's over 180 workouts on our app. There's over a hundred plus recipes. Everything is super healthy and tastes amazing. And, uh, you know, our motivational Mondays every Monday. Another motivational Monday to, to pump you up and get you focused. And, you know, we got all our tracking and everything. And again, just go to the app. Don't do anything. It cost you anything. Go try it for seven days. See if you dig it. DDPY.com. Raj great talking to you. Great
5: talking to you too, everyone. The, the WWE Hall of Fame reformer, WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Diamond Dallas Page. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, brother. Have a great day, man. You too. See ya.
9: So let's get started here with our first question Uh, that's going to come from Bill Pritchard. Bill,
5: are you there? Hi, Sean. Can you hear me? Yes,
9: we can. Go ahead with your question.
5: All right. So I had a question for Scott first. Um, There's been a lot of talk this week about bringing back the TNA name for a one night only pay-per-view. And I just wanted to see if it was early enough where you can clarify what you're trying to do with that as far as, if you're looking to bring former talent back or match tapes and if there was any, like maybe pushback about calling it TNA.
10: Yeah. Uh, thanks for the question. I mean, we are pretty early in the process and you know, with the, with the energetic crowd out there that certainly was showing the fact that there are longtime impact wrestling fans going back to our TNA roots. It seemed like the right time this past Saturday at the All Glory Fan Interaction event to put out a little teaser there about a one-night return to our former branding, which uh, I think we've always made clear that we don't we don't run from our history. We embrace it. the uh, the many year you know history of TNA Impact Wrestling. We'll call it is a, is a fantastic part of wrestling's rich fabric of history and to go back and be able to honor that for, for one night in a weekend in which you see all types of stars from all generations of wrestling usually uh, basically converge on one city. We thought that it was, uh, it was a good place to do it with, uh, you know, everything going on in April in, uh, in Orlando, Tampa area. So we'll go there. We'll have fun. We'll certainly look to mix in some some stars of previous eras. And, of course, continue to highlight the amazing roster that Impact Wrestling has currently.
5: And as a quick follow-up, given that you've been there since the early TNA days, is there any desire or has there been any requests for you to bring back Team Canada and maybe get you
1: back on screen? <laughs> it's,
5: it's, it's something that comes
10: up, uh, especially from longtime uh, viewers and fans. And I'm certainly uh, so proud and, uh, and honored of the, what I was able to do as Part of Team Canada. And it was, it was what it was supposed to be. It was a platform where I was one of the tools to launch the careers of amazing young talent. And if you look at what Bobby Roode and Eric Young and T.D. Williams went on to do, it certainly achieved that goal. If uh, the time was right for a, a reunion or something, Absolutely. Uh, would be would be open to it. But really, my focus is working behind the scenes and trying to promote and build uh, impact wrestling and continue to feature the greatest uh, talent roster I think out there in the sport right now.
11: Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Bill. Uh, we're going to
3: go ahead and grab another question here. Uh, Nick, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me?
2: Yes,
3: fantastic. Go ahead. Hi, uh, thank you guys so much for taking the time today. Uh, my question, my first question, is also going to be for uh, Scott here today. Uh, Scott, a uh, lot of buzz around the fact that uh, Kylie Ray appeared at Bound for Glory. Uh, I was just wondering uh, if you could give us an update on uh, what what Kylie's status is with Impact Wrestling uh, going forward. We were happy and honored to have
10: uh, Kylie Ray choose to be part of our Bound for Glory weekend. Be a surprise entrance in the uh, Call Your Shot Gauntlet. She is Kylie is an amazing performer. She has a charisma that very few do, and I think that uh, the door is certainly open if Kylie chooses that she's interested in being part of Impact Wrestling, and I think she would excel in our amazing Knockouts division because she's exactly what we like to feature, which is which is talented, world class uh, female athletes that have uh, amazing personas and connect with an audience. So that's my opinion on it and I'd honestly like to hear what our Knockouts champion would think of Kylie Ray joining the Knockouts.
3: I I would as well. That was my follow up. Thank you Scott. Yes, Taya, what do you think about Kylie Ray and her possibly <laughs> joining the Knockouts division?
12: Um I've actually had the chance to wrestle her prior and an in independent show. Um I think she's extremely talented. I think that she would bring definitely something different. To our knockout division, and I am more than happy to humiliate her over and over again, <laughs> and have her go after me for knockout title because I know that La huera Loca ain't scared of no smiley Kylie.
3: Damn. Uh, all right, uh, and I guess lastly here to uh, I'd like to ask something to you and Brian both. You know, there's been a lot of intergender wrestling uh, in Impact Wrestling as of late, including Tessa recently taking part in that crazy uh, X-Division ladder match. Um, do you feel a need to have a men's and women's title? Do you think that maybe Impact should explore the idea of unifying those titles uh, to make them an intergender title?
12: Um, I mean, it's such a complicated question because it can go in so many directions. I do feel that, like, everybody should be able to challenge each other for the titles. I feel like that is something... Uh, you
13: know, something different that we could try doing. I mean, Brian, whenever you're ready, bro. <laughs> I mean, you did try it once, Ty, in a different promotion. It didn't work out too well for <laughs> you. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I do feel, I don't think there's, I think there should be all titles just like, you know, I know it's a style that everyone does now, but like how the X Division was its own style. There's the Cruiserweight and the tag team and the world and so on and so on. So that it creates different stuff. Doesn't mean that, sure, that a woman can't challenge for the world title, but I, I don't think that they should eliminate any titles, no.
3: Okay, cool. Thank you guys so much for the time. Really enjoyed Bound for Glory.
12: Thank you. Great. Thanks, Nick.
9: All right, we're going to go on to Joe Lanza. Joe, are you there? I am here. Thank you. It has to Go ahead with your question. So this uh, first question is for Scott. With uh, moving to Axis, I know that they don't subscribe to, uh, to Nielsen ratings, but um, can you give us an idea of what type of viewership increase you guys are expecting with the move from Pursuit and/or Twitch over to Access?
10: I think one of the amazing things of moving Impact Wrestling over to Access TV is that it is a robust platform. I believe about fifty-five million homes it's available in, and it's a network. Access TV is that wrestling fans, most importantly, are very familiar with. So I would think that coming out of the gate, we would be very competitive and uh with the current products that we currently have on access tv with new japan and and women of wrestling wow so i think you're going to see some great growth i'm certainly not the expert who's going to sit here and going to throw out numbers but i know that the that new japan has been very successful and wow has been successful and i think that we're certainly going to bring our own unique brand and our reach that we have from uh, one of the largest digital platforms and international platforms and in all of the industry and having access to tv now as a domestic base for that i think certainly sets us up for substantial growth both immediately and over the long haul okay thank you and one
9: quick follow up on the uh, on the intergender topic as you guys lean more heavily into that have you received any sort of kickback from sponsors or even from wrestlers in the locker room that aren't comfortable doing that style
10: No, I mean, there's certainly some people who will certainly openly admit that it's not their cup of tea, but we've seen no sponsor uh, blowback or anything with any of our partners because, you know, in the modern era here, as we sit on the, on the verge of being in 2020, uh, the, the idea of, of equally featuring male and female uh, competitors and performers, it seems almost ludicrous to me that, that it's still a topic for debate. It should be something that's that's automatic, but Unfortunately, since it isn't, we're very proud to be at the forefront of putting that out there, both with obviously Tessa Blanchard and also with all of our amazing knockouts and doing what we've done since day one, which is so that, you know, as Eddie Edwards likes to say, anything is possible, whether you're a male or a female. And now we're showing you that if you're a female, it doesn't mean that the Knockouts Championship is the only title you can aspire to. You can aspire to anything you want. And uh, there hasn't been, uh, I think, really almost, any major negative there's certainly always going to be the the uh haters out there that uh, you'll find on social media but overall it's been overwhelmingly positive both in our locker room in the industry and certainly from fans okay thank you very much great
9: thank you all right our next question here is going to come from Stephanie okay. Stephanie you there
7: yeah i'm there
9: Fantastic.
7: Go ahead with your question. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Stephanie from Stetcher Magazine, United Kingdom. How are you good? Um. I will start with um, with a question for Scott. Uh, aside from Kylie Rae, uh, you, Joey Ryan, was in the call Callous Shot Gauntlet match and he signed with the company uh did you i'm gonna say that uh put any kind of restriction on on his character uh for him to come to impact
10: well we uh, signed an amazing performer and professional wrestler who is uh who has been out there for many years including yeah. having a previous run in, in this company. Uh, Joey's character certainly can be a polarizing one at some, at some times, but as you saw, Sunday Night at Bound for Glory, he is a beloved uh, character and performer in professional wrestling. So kind of aren't they not trying to limit uh, performers when they come in you know, to impact wrestling? We want to showcase them for who they are. And some people out there are going to love and embrace those characters, and some are not. But one of the things we like to do which is very different than other companies is we don't want to fit everybody into one uniform type of you know role or look or style we're going to go out there and let everybody be themselves
7: and you've been at the dm from of impact for nearly two years we've done um you you have signed a lot of talents you have tried uh, a lot of new wrestling styles you, you you've done a lot of things uh do you feel like with the AXS AXS sorry my apologies uh the AXS deal is like the um, it's closing the chapter of rebuilding because this is something that we have never stopped uh we have never stopped uh saying do you feel like the the rebuilding process now is over
10: That's a great question. I certainly believe that the rebuilding process, to call it just that, is over. I think we're here. I think we've spent two years of putting out an amazing wrestling product. And I think with our move to Access TV, we're in a situation now where our domestic partner is very strong. Our international partners have always been very strong. Our digital department has been as good or better than just about anybody out there in the wrestling industry and the rebuilding process is done. But the other process, which will forever be part of our goal is the constant reinventing and growth that we'd like to see. So just because there, we're, we're stable, just because we now have an amazing roster that we're happy with, what makes wrestling great and the truly greatest moments in history is when we're out there and evolving and changing and revolutionizing what we do whether it's going out there and featuring strong female characters at a time when nobody else did, whether it's taking the undersized competitors of the X division and showcasing them out, out there on a large stage when nobody else would, or whether it's out there going intergender wrestling uh, in 2019, we will always look to grow both our company, uh, but we'll also look to change the industry. And as long as we stay true to ourselves, we put out a strong product that we're proud of and that
2: is leading
10: and engaging fans, then we'll always look for ways to change and evolve because if you stay stagnant in this industry, then you are certainly going to see negative results. You have to go out there. You have to be pushing forward and looking for positive change both within your company and in the industry in general. And that's something that we feel very strongly about and we'll continue to try to do. Great, Stephanie. Um,
12: all right, our next question here uh, is going to come from Kristen Ashley. Kristen, are mm-hmm. you there? I am here. Thank you. All right, go ahead. Uh, so my first question is for Scott and Moore. Um, So I would say across the map, impacts Women's Division is really seen as the women's division, really the best women's division. Um, now that you're moving to, to access, do you have any plans specifically for the women's division? Any new talents,
10: new ti- uh, new talent, new titles that you're looking at? We're always out there looking to to add new talent uh, because wrestling is something that succeeds, as I've discussed many times, with, with changeover. And it's, it's, it's characters have to come in, they, they tell their story, we go on their saga, then they move on somewhere else and we bring new and compelling characters. So we're always on the lookout for... great talent we saw some amazing talent highly and otherwise this past weekend at on weekend. so you're certainly going to continue to see new talent uh, emerge both in the knockouts division and also uh, with male competitors and then as far as for your question specifically about titles uh, certainly as we start to build a, a pretty robust knockouts division at some point in time we'll continue to examine it's a uh, If it's a situation where we look to add a knockouts tag team championship as we've had in the past, or is it simply as, as we approach 2020 and where we are on equal footing and with intergender wrestling, will we see two of our amazing, powerful, and athletic females team up and chase after the current Impact World Tag Team Championships? Because remember, they're the Impact World Tag Team Championships. They're not the Impact World Men's Tag Team. Tag team
12: championship. That's 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 really promising and awesome. Um, and sort of segues into a question for Taya. You know, you're the longest reigning knockouts champion. You've you've made your way uh, and beaten everybody in the division. What's next for you? Do you plan on pursuing that intergender? Are there other talent that you would like to to fight that hasn't been signed yet? Um, I think the possibility for different women coming into our division um into next year is like really looking up and i know that scott and everybody behind the scenes going to make sure we have the best women on our roster as far as who else i would like to challenge i mean i've had many an intergender match before i've proven myself against men smaller bigger and equal to me so i'm open to any opportunity and Just like I mentioned before, you know, title versus title, let's do this. I have no problem challenging any one of our champions at this point. That's amazing. I got chills. (laughs) All right. That's all I have. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Thank you.
9: Great. Thank you, Kristen. All right. Our next question here is going to come from Joe Glazia. Joe, are you there? Yes, I'm here, guys. How are you? Great. Go ahead with your question.
14: Great. I have uh, questions for both camps, and I'm hoping to start with uh, Brian. How you doing, Brian? Good, good,
13: good. How about
14: yourself? I'm doing good, man. Thank you. I, I wanted to ask you just, uh, you know, you, you took this, uh, you had this um, bad bump okay. back at Rebellion that caused, uh, caused an injury, um, and you were still okay. able to, you know, power through and get through this match, which is, you know, very commendable. Uh, and then you did this... Um, BioCell uh, stem cell therapy uh, in yeah. Colombia. H- h- how well did that help you? Uh, and do you recommend it to uh, other wrestlers to use for rehab? Screw
13: yeah. you! Um, yeah, the, uh, the, the injury was, uh, was awful. It was one of the most painful moments of my career. I, I literally thought my, my career might be over as far as my leg going down my thigh. I broke my back, whatever, what have you. Obviously, it's kept me off TV and being able to defend my title for quite some time um i was doing everything under the sun to try to recover from that including going to columbia and getting the stem cells and uh i do believe uh, it did have a substantial benefit to it um the guy that got me involved with that too is um a huge fan of wrestling and that's why if you haven't noticed there's been a handful of wrestlers going down there lately um and i definitely think that that's uh, i've already been like semi-educated and into stem cells as well and just the human nature and what the benefits are and it's a shame you can't get the actual umbilical stem, uh, stem cells here in the States. Um, but, uh, I, yes, I, I do think it, it's tremendously um, helped me get past this and beneficial, and I will more likely be doing it again in the future just for uh, maintenance and for any other injury that may occur. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm happy to hear that you're doing
14: better champ. Um, Ty, uh, time to follow up a little bit on, uh, on Kristen's question. Um, yes, you are the, uh, now longest reigning knockouts champion in the company history. Um, can you just, you know, kind of generic, but can you give us your thoughts of, about what it's like to be in the top spot in what many are calling the best women's division, uh, in pro wrestling?
12: I'm um, well, obviously whenever you're at the top, you have a huge target on your back and I'm completely aware of that not only is it coming from every woman and, you know, in our locker room, but also from the fans, you know, I'm constantly being scrutinized and all this kind of, all this kind of stuff because everyone, you know, no one, everybody wants to be on top and not everybody can be, but I thrive under pressure and I thrive when people tell me that I can't do something or, or, you know, challenge me in that way. And so, you know, it just motivates me more when I have that target on my back to be that much better. And I think I've proven that over and over again throughout the entire year defending my title against every single woman on our roster so I mean, here we go into 2020, and I know that I will be still holding this
14: knockout title. Well, oh, that's fantastic to hear. Uh, thank you guys so much for your time, and I look forward to uh, watching
13: you both in the future. Thank you. Thanks.
2: Thank you, Joe. All right, our next question is going to come from Duke. Duke, are you there?
0: I am.
9: Yeah, go ahead with your question.
0: Uh, first question is for uh, Brian. Uh, Brian. A couple of months ago, Ken Shamrock who was a guest on Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, and, and he was very specific about calling you out as a potential challenger. Are we going to see Brian Cage versus Ken Shamrock in the not-too-distant future?
13: I mean, I know he came back, he had this match with Moose, and, and that's how the whole thing even started. was a little, you know, kind of playful banter back and forth between the two of us, the first-ever champ, the current world champ. Um, and I, I, I actually want to say I'm, I've always been a huge fan of Tramon from, from the get-go and, uh, and he actually is the one that, you know, from wrestling, maybe get in, uh, to becoming a super fan of, of UFC and mixed martial arts. Um, I would, I would love the opportunity to, uh, to work with, with Ken. Um, I know he, uh, came off from the, uh, losing end at, uh, Bound for Glory and he's going to be here at the uh, next set of taping, but I don't know what, um, like what, what? What's next for him? If he's, if he's done? If he's doing more? If he's staying? Is he going? Or, or exactly what's happening? Uh, I I still love the opportunity to uh, lace up with Ken just because I'm a fan and I think it'd be fun and something you know we could do that we'd both enjoy. But uh, I guess that's up to him
0: and where he's at in his career at this point in time. Great stuff. Great stuff. And just one more question uh, for Scott. You know, Scott uh, Impact Wrestling has gone through so many different incarnations and before this current crop of excellent talent and this current regime in the marketplace, the name hasn't always been so strong. Now that you're on Access TV, you're on this large platform and what have you, and, and all things are firing on all cylinders, what's the timeline expectation internally is ter- in terms of bringing impact to a point where the, the brand name itself is trusted once again for, for the fans worldwide?
10: Well, I think that uh, trust has certainly been something that we've spoken about many times over the past near two years. Uh, Because when myself and Don Callis came in and joined Ed Nordholm, we knew one of the big things we needed to do was to rebuild trust. Uh, We know that previous regimes had lost trust both within this industry and with its family. So we've worked very hard, I think, over the last two years to show that when Impact Wrestling says that they're going to do something, that we follow through and deliver. And I think our track record over the past two years has been very good in that. And I think that I'm already starting to see, whereas the the groundswell was often very negative when we were talking about stuff in the first half of 18, and really a good chunk of 2018 because of previous experiences, I think that in 19, and certainly as we come here, coming out of an amazing Bound for Glory, pay per View at a sold out building in Chicago, And and sitting here and being so close to finally having our premiere on Access TV, I think we really are in a position where on a substantive level, we have fixed trust with a lot of people uh, and a lot of fans. And we know that that's going to be an ever-continuing process. And we know that every day that we wake up, we need to continue to ensure that we deliver on our promises and we reward fans that invest in Impact Wrestling, because fans invest in many ways. They invest with their money, certainly when they buy tickets or merchandise or pay-per-views, they also invest with their time. And time is one of the most valuable things in this world because all of us have a limited amount of it. And if somebody chooses to invest time out of their life in watching and getting engaged with Impact Wrestling, we need to reward that investment. And if we continue to do that, the trust level will grow and the circle of trust will expand. So it sounds almost kind of cheesy to say, but it's really, that's how simple it is. If we wake up and continue to build a good product that respects fans, that uh, engages and entertains fans, and we deliver on our promises, we'll continue to grow. But I think we passed the point where we start trying to worry about what we have to do to show that we're going to deliver because we've delivered consistency for two years and myself and Don, See, we knew that it was a change day the second that Anthem Sports and Entertainment came in and took over Impact Wrestling because being Canadian, we know the track record and uh, the morals of Anthem Sports and Entertainment. So we knew that to be the case. We then had to spend a considerable amount of time and effort showing wrestling fans, Impact Wrestling fans, that Impact Wrestling now, just like Anthem Sports, was going to echo those types of morals and that type of consistent performance and dedication to delivering on uh, any type of investment that a fan uh, makes into the product
0: great stuff great stuff and and real quick uh ty very proud of what you've been doing uh over these past couple of years here and and i'm excited about the possibility of seeing some kind of cross promotion with with wow superheroes because some of those ladies over there those some great matchups for you there so just want to Leave it at that. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity, everybody.
12: Thank you. All
0: right, thanks, Duke. All right, our next
9: question is going to come from Jim Barcelone. Jim, are you there?
12: Yeah, thank you.
9: Go ahead with your question, Jim.
4: Scott, I'm curious about Impact going to Tuesday night and your thoughts of that night with so much wrestling on TV these days and what it means to have this on-access TV that night.
10: I think that Tuesday night is a great night for pro wrestling and the fact that Impact Wrestling is on Tuesday nights now on Access TV. I think it's a fantastic uh, opportunity for us and it puts us in a perfect spot in the schedule. So it's an unbelievable time in professional wrestling where there's so much uh, great product out there and fans have so many choices. And we have a situation now on Tuesday nights where there had been kind of an opening up of the broadcast schedule for wrestling on Tuesdays, and we're happy to be in that. Returning to prime time was obviously important to us. Getting on a bigger platform was obviously important uh, for us. And having an engaged uh, partner network that uh, was both large enough in scope and dedicated enough in its commitment to really put impact out of the forefront was important to us. And I think with Access TV, clearly we've achieved all those goals.
4: And also a follow up Scott, what does it mean to, cause you mentioned Access TV and obviously Anthem, what does it mean to the wrestlers that are there now in Impact and that might come over in the future to have this combination in place between Anthem and Access and how important that is to the company? Well,
10: I think one of the things is if you look at some of the trials and tribulations of, of previous regimes a lot of it dealt with the domestic broadcast partner and what anthem sports has certainly done is made a commitment uh, not just for impact but for itself anthem is out there and is it is in the, the media business but acquiring access TV a controlling interest in access TV what it means specifically to impact wrestling fans is you now know we're impact wrestling home is. there's no question about the commitment of the network to Impact Wrestling, because we have we have very similar ownership. So we have a steady home that's committed to being a great partner for Impact Wrestling. So I think to go back to one of the previous questions, this certainly is another reason, another example, of how wrestling fans know that they can trust Impact Wrestling when it pro- when it makes a promise that it's going to deliver. You now know where you're going to find us, you know where you're going to find us today tomorrow and for the very long foreseeable future we have a home and a partner in access tv an amazing network that has a track record of doing an excellent job of promoting and showcasing professional wrestling so i think that it's a, a huge move i think that it uh, shows the type of vision that that went out for sports and entertainment has and i think it was the joyous day for a wrestling fans to to know that uh, Anthem Sports uh, had Access TV and that Impact Wrestling is going to be a big part of that.
0: Thank you, Scott.
9: Uh, All right, Jim, thank you. All right, our next question here is going to come from James Walsh. James, are you there?
15: I am here. Can you guys hear me okay? We can. Go ahead with your question. All right, I have a question for each of our guests if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, Scott more uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you again. I have been an Impact Wrestling fan literally since the first pay-per-view, June 19th, 2002, and every time there's something huge that happens like this, you know, I I get goosebumps and I get so happy to see the company continue to thrive. Something that I've seen online, though, and I wanted to get your take on it, is that there's some people who are worried about the idea that there's too much wrestling now and that some of the other companies that aren't the perceived big two, maybe, um, might be suffering from this. You guys view the rest of the last landscape of wrestling as competition, and how does Impact Wrestling stay ahead of the Joneses, as it were?
10: Well, I think that there's certainly a ton of wrestling content out there, both broadcast-wise and through other delivery and digital delivery methods. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of great wrestling out there, which I think is great for wrestling fans. There certainly is a, a wide array of choices that wrestling fans can make, and while, you know, the other companies are competition in many ways, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're the enemy. In order for us to succeed, they don't have to fail. Like I, 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 I grew I grew up my, my formative years in the construction industry. And other construction companies that competed with the more construction were our competition, but they weren't our enemy we're not going to look, and that's been my approach in business, and Impact Wrestling isn't gonna look at everybody as an enemy. competition is great. Competition breeds innovation, which is good for everybody. So I think that it's good that there's a lot of competition out there, and to answer, answer the second part of your question, I think what we need to do is we need to answer the challenge and continue to go out there.
15: I think we might have lost Scott.
9: Did
15: we lose somebody there? <clears throat> I think we lost Scott.
9: <laughs> well, why don't we um, go on to your next question then?
15: Sure, sure. So um, my next question is for Brian Cage. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. I spoke with you two weeks ago at LA Live. Uh, my question is, you talk- Yeah, exactly, it's great to talk to you again. Uh, you said that you were looking forward to making up for lost time when you got everything at Down for Glory. How do you feel? How did you feel coming out of Bound for Glory, out of your match? And uh, do you feel like you're ready to get on track and then start making up for that lost time?
13: Absolutely. Uh, that, that's the, be- the best I have felt during the match and after the match since um, before Rebellion. Um, I uh, I left on a high. I thought the match was great. I also came out with the win. I got to celebrate with my wife in the middle of the ring. Um, no issues, especially with some of the crazy stuff that happened to me during the match um you know right afterwards uh, backstage besides my lip being split in half nothing else bothered me so physically i feel i feel great and yeah i'm I'm absolutely ready and willing to to get in there with anyone and everyone and uh like you said make up for some lost time
15: yeah when i saw the match the first thing i said is wow he's back so it it looks like you're back (laughs) to your own form (laughs) all right and my final question is for taya it's a pleasure to talk to you again as well um there's been some discrepancy over the over the days on how many days you've been world champion, but now you definitely are the longest reigning Knockouts champion without any debate on that matter. I guess my question is not to give you like a uh, an emotional question, but what does it mean to you to look at the history of the Knockouts division with champions like Gail Kim and know that your name reigns longer than the rest? I'm I mean, obviously it's um, it's
12: amazing because you know I've always looked up. all the knockouts who have come before me and there have been some phenomenal women as part of this roster and those are the people that i feel elevated women's wrestling you know when people really didn't believe that we could have full-length matches and have real characters and you know dimension and everything so it's unbelievable to me but also believable because i've worked extremely hard to get to where i am nothing has ever been given to me and you know i so past, a path that was less traveled to get me here, but through all that, you know, obviously my work speaks for itself and um, I'm now the longest reigning knockout champion of all time in this company and no one can ever take that away from me. All
15: right. Thank you guys all for your time and uh, hopefully we get Scott back too. I think Scott's back. Are
10: you there, you.
2: Scott?
10: Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I don't know. I dropped out there. So I guess to answer the second part of your question, in order to make sure that we're still relevant and competitive and successful, we need to continue to do what I think has been one of our strengths, which is to continue to go out there and, and harvest young uh, unknown talent and bring it along and develop it and to feature compelling, intriguing storylines. And I think if you look at what we've tried to do with our storytelling and impact wrestling over the past couple of years, we have looked to try to tell a variety of different stories, in all in their unique, compelling ways. Not every storyline in Impact Wrestling starts with one wrestler attacking another wrestler, and you know that leads to the big grudge match. I mean, when you see things such as the Undead Realm that uh, that we, you know, we've done, and you take a look at uh, the types of of uh, stuff we've done with. You know, say Austin. He was a young guy who, you know, was a good young wrestler that, you know, was out there in the independent scene but was lacked personality, but we developed a persona and a, and a look and a character for him and put him in a situation where he's now in a personal vendetta with Eddie Edwards. So as long as we continue to feature amazing uh, talent and we put and tell, put the talent in great spots and tell engaging and intriguing storylines, then I think that's really something that can set us apart from a lot of the other uh, products that are out there. We really do, don't just focus on the in-ring talent, we focus a lot on the storytelling and the emotion of the journey. All right, thanks
9: Scott. All right, so our next question, we're gonna move on to Bill Bodkin. Bill, are you there?
8: Yes, can you guys hear me?
9: Yes, we can, go ahead with your question.
8: Okay, uh, my first question will be for Scott. Uh, Scott, with the move to Access, first off, congratulations. Um, how does this change the, uh, or is, was there no change to Impact's plans if the future for expansion? I know you guys have the, you know, I'm talking from expansion of production in terms of the live show, bigger venues, maybe more dates. Um, is there any plans with that now that you're on a much larger platform than Pursuit? I mean, I guess first, thank
10: you. Cause it is an exciting, uh, you know, acquisition and move for us. And I would say that one of the one of the dilemmas that I think faced us in the in the pursuit era, we'll call it, was we always went back and forth: is do we, do we, do we, you know, back off the gas pedal a little bit, kind of coast until we get to where we knew we were going to be, because we knew this is where we were going to be when we left Pop TV. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we knew it was going to be a bit of a process to get there. And one of the decisions we made was, in light of the fact of some of the history of the company and some of the times that it has let fans down, we, we always felt that we needed to go out there and put on the best possible products, no matter what. No matter who our domestic partner was, both because our domestic fans that have stuck with us deserve a great product, and also because we're not just a domestic uh, product. We are, we are seen around the world and we needed to be fair to our international partners and our fan base uh, all over the world. So we've done our darndest on pursuit to go out there and put out a great product. Um, one of the things we have done is tried to choose v- venues wisely because we've seen in the past where you can put a decent amount of people in a building, but if you, if you put them in a building that's sized accordingly for them, they're great. You put them in a building where it's, it's five times as many empty seats as there is fans. Well, then it gives you that hollow and and unengaging atmosphere. So I think Bound for Glory this past Sunday was a great example of where we'll look to calculatedly and, and, you know, with great caution and care move to larger facilities. We moved to the, you know, the Odium is the largest facility that Impact Wrestling has ran in many years and to go in there and to sell that out in advance, was an, was an amazing accomplishment that we're all very proud of. We'll continue to make those type of calculated uh, decisions as far as revenues. venues. We'll continue to always look for ways to, to improve both the product and the delivery production-wise of the product. You'll see some extra bells and whistles added uh, to the product on Access. We're not going to sit there and go crazy because we don't think bells and whistles are what's going to get it done, guys. There's already one company out there that does bells and whistles better than anybody in in the game. You know, what we do, which respectfully sometimes they lack, is a consistent vision and product that delivers on its promises and engages fans. And that's what's going to drive us to success. So that's what we'll continue to focus on.
8: Excellent. And uh, my follow-up would be to both uh, Taya and Brian. Um, This was, Taya, this was touched on for you already, but, um, for both of you, for an American company, uh, this is both I correct me if I'm wrong, the first major American company to put their respective world titles on both Brian and Taya. How does it feel to be um, after all these years you guys have been doing this for a company to say you're going to be the face of the women's division? You're going to be the face of the men's division you're going to lead this company and we're giving you the ball. How does it talk about the emotion you feel when a company comes to you and, and puts that title on you and, and gives you that confidence?
12: I mean, obviously it feels pretty darn good. <laughs> no, it's, it's just like I said, it's added pressure, obviously, but I'm just, you know, I'm always very thankful to people, you know, everyone behind the scenes, Scott, and everyone at Impact who believed in me and softened in me and allowed me to to go with my crazy ideas and, and become the Taya that you guys are now seeing and the Taya that's now the longest running Knockout champion of all time. Didn't come without a lot of hard work and failing and falling down and getting back up. But, um, pretty incredible now, especially with us doing this move to access TV to representing a women's roster that for many, 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 many years has been called the best women's roster in professional wrestling. So I am extremely proud of my position and uh, I will continue to represent this company and these women
13: to the best of my ability. Uh, yeah, you know, you said the world title. I mean, they're actually the first company to put a title on me, period. I mean, that's a major national uh, company. And When I won the X uh, division title, I uh, made a nice long post about that and how great it was. And you know, that's that's like one most real moment you can have in wrestling and how great that felt to have uh, that sense of accomplishment and also sense of, you know, trust, if you will, behind a, a company to put the title on you and then to go on and be the world champion when the whole time, during the whole program with uh, with his husband, John, um, you know, I said I, I'd never won the big one. i been the guy. And a lot of people always ask me, you know, why? 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 Well, I, I don't have that answer. I don't know. A lot of times I have even got the opportunity to be the guy. So to finally get that and I feel like it was long overdue, uh, it's tremendous. And, uh, and it's, you know, just my luck. I got hurt and couldn't really uh, have the ring that I've wanted to have so, uh, throughout this time, but, you know, Impact's been, been wonderful with that and has uh, worked it around me. They could have easily just taken the title off me and, and you know, give it to somebody else and said, hey, sorry about your luck. But uh, that's not what happened. So I, I really appreciate that a lot, and uh, it means a lot to me to be able to still represent the company as a world champion and, uh, you know, get through Bound for Glory and deliver a killer main event and keep on on.
8: Thank you, guys. All right, thanks,
13: Bill.
9: All right, our next question is going to come from Daniel Wood.
8: Daniel,
9: are you there?
4: Yeah, I'm here. Fantastic. Go ahead with your question. Um, first of all, this one, I guess, would be for Scott. Um, the announcement of where to watch Impact on Access uh, going forward in the UK was made recently, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, I wanted to ask kind of a fairly straightforward question of are there any plans for Impact Wrestling to come over to the UK and do some shows or, you know, kind of cross over with another promotion or anything like that in the UK?
10: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the UK has always been a, you know, a, a very strong and very uh, important and, and really vital market for, for impact wrestling. And it, it's certainly high on our list of, of markets to, to get to. And it's one of those things that we've looked at since, since day one, when we took over in January of 2018, and it's uh, it's something that uh, you know we realize that our that our large and very passionate uh, UK fan base is uh, is really chomping at the bit to be able to see and support Impact Wrestling live, and uh, we're working very hard right now and have had some discussions. To fingers crossed, uh, it's it's a goal to get Impact Wrestling back into the into the UK market from a live event perspective in 2020.
4: Well, thank you very much. Uh, And then uh, my next question uh, is to Brian and Tyre. Um, Obviously, a lot of people have come and gone uh, in the Impact Wrestling roster while you guys have been in Impact. But who do you think right now um, could be the future of the company? Obviously, you guys are the champions at the moment. Uh, Who do you think going forward are the people to look out for at the locker room?
12: Um, well, the, the know, future uh, is now, okay? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. As far as the women are concerned, I mean, we're seeing so many people evolve and change and um, really grow as performers, especially over the last few months, I would say. I think one of the main people that I've noticed is Kira Hogan has really improved and brought this new attitude and confidence um that we haven't really seen from her before but I mean, everybody every woman and every man on our roster i feel is like constantly evolving and changing and could, could potentially step into that position as being quote unquote the future <laughs> but um, i'm just looking forward to you know everybody just growing as a whole and um, we'll see what the future holds really
13: uh, I'm gonna second what Ty said too. I mean, especially with with Kier Hogan, she's she's always been one of my favorites. I think she's developed and has uh, enhanced her, her her talent and performance tremendously. Um, you know, Scott mentioned earlier about Ace Austin, uh, how well he's he's progressed throughout his short time in Impact Wrestling, and he just became that division Champion. Um, one of uh, one of my personal favorites, which I'm so glad is a part of the team, and would love to see him break out even more. Just because I, I still feel like Many have got to see how great he is, is. Is Willie Mack. I think Willie Mack is just absolutely phenomenal. I've never had a match with him where it wasn't like match of the night. The guy just kills it, and then, uh, I would like to see him uh, really, really grow. I think he could really take Impact to some different heights that people wouldn't expect. But uh, also, Ty said, I do think the reason why Impact um, has done so well and has such good morale in the locker room isn't because no one isn't because anyone's out there trying to be you know number one. I feel like as a, a team and a unit. We're all trying to make impact number one, which then in return, you know, helps us get to that spot rather than, you know, looking at like, Hey, what can I do just for me? It's like, Hey, well, what can we all do together to to steal the show and own
4: the spotlight? Um, thank you very much. Yeah, that's great. I did have one more question, which was kind of more related to access if I could ask that as well. Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. Uh, so this one probably be more aimed at Scott, obviously access, um, before it was purchased by uh, Anthem, uh, was the home of New Japan and Women's Wrestling. And uh, I just wondered if you could comment on uh, how much you knew about the future of those shows going forward on access and whether Impact would like to potentially work with those guys to stay on access and work together and maybe have crossovers and things like that. Yeah,
10: I'm not I'm not directly involved in the programming of uh, access TV. Um, So I'll leave that to be commented on from from Access TV personnel on that end, as far as for any relationships there. Uh, What I will comment on is on behalf of Impact Wrestling, I would certainly say if you look at it, we during our regime certainly always said that we believe stronger together, uh, which means that multiple companies coming together and working together to put on great, compelling crossover events and in any ways we can interact with each other for the betterment of both companies. And the fans isn't just a win-win, but it's a win-win-win where both companies succeed and the fans are the ultimate winners. So certainly as a longtime uh, fan and friend of many at uh, New Japan, always open to any type of collaboration with them and certainly respect, you know, women of wrestling. They're out there and uh, a weekly episodical uh, seasoned email wrestling product exclusively female product and uh we certainly uh them on that and our we feel our knockouts are the absolute best female performers and in many ways the best performers period in this industry and we welcome any collaboration uh with uh with other great organizations whether they're featuring featuring male or female competitors if there's compelling stories to be told and there's good business to be done that, that rewards the the companies and the fans. We're we're open to New Japan, Wow, and anybody else that wants to come forward and looking look at working together with us. Our track record is very strong on that. Uh, whether it's our amazing partnership with uh, AAA Lucha Libre in Mexico, or whether it's right down to our smaller uh, developmental uh, partnerships with uh, companies like Ohio Valley Wrestling and you know, Pro Wrestling Revolver. We look to work with others in the industry, big and small, if it makes sense. And you know, No Japan Pro Wrestling and WOW are certainly no different than that. They uh, they they know how to get a hold of us, and we're open. And same to be said if we have something that that we come across, we'd be happy to reach out, have uh, have relations with both companies. If it makes sense for all of us, let's do it.
4: Um. Yeah. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, that's all of my questions. Thanks for taking the time out to speak to us, guys. Thank you.
9: Thanks, Daniel. All right, we got time here just for two more questions, so we're going to go over to uh, Nathan Craver. Nathan, are you
16: there? I am. Can you hear me okay?
9: Yes, we can. Go ahead with your question.
16: Okay, so my first question is um, really for anybody, but probably most likely Scott, and uh, the question was, in the last uh, two years, you all have sort of pushed the envelope with some of your stories, with uh, edgier-type storylines and things like that. Do you see any restrictions as you move to Axis? Uh, tv in terms of those types of storylines we you have to pull back or do you think a tv14 or whatever rating would be appropriate for you guys
7: certainly
10: consider ourselves tv14 we uh we we try to be cognizant obviously of the vast range of age for viewers but we are tv14 viewing uh, and we we of course will stick within the guidelines that are specified for tv14 and we'll always try to stay within the confines of what's considered good taste entertainment. But as you've seen in the past, uh, you know, and we think we've done it with some success. We will continue to push beyond some of those artificial barriers that have been imposed on wrestling products uh, in the past. So, if there's a, if there's a good, compelling storyline, and we can get a little edgy with it and have a little fun. You know, that's something that we think our fans will be into and it doesn't violate any of our standards and practices. And then you're going to see us just push that envelope ever so slightly.
16: And then um, I do have one follow-up, if that's okay. Um, And it's either for uh, Scott or Taya. Um, With such a a focus on the women's division in impact wrestling and obviously we've heard several questions and uh, several comments about how it's considered one of the best in wrestling is there any consideration about rebranding the knockouts division to women's division or changing up uh, what it's called uh, just based on the name and the dual meaning that it could have Um, I mean I I can certainly
14: answer
10: but I'd like Taya to take that (laughs)
12: Well, I've actually been asked this a lot recently. And I mean, obviously it just comes with the territory and, um, you know, I personally believe that when I wanted to become a wrestler and I looked at the knockouts, I never thought of them as being meek or feeble or, you know, anything like that. I looked up to them because of what it represented, the name, how it was branded, I mean, what they were as women wrestlers. So for me, I consider being called a knockout in 2019 and 2020 as a privilege because of all the women that came before me. And I never look at it as being something demeaning or that it should be changed. Although I know that some people will disagree with me. I believe that we're special. We're as equally as strong and talented um, and creative as the men, but we're also special. And I think that us being called a knockout keeps us that way. And I'm very proud to represent all the years that came, you know, all the women that came before me and all the years of hard work that they did to get us to this point. We are an evolution of what they did. Um, so I, I absolutely
13: embraced uh name. Well, great. Thank you guys. For, you know what? Uh, if you don't mind, I actually like to throw my two cents in there too, just as a fan as well. Um, especially when other companies were just, you know, when he called the women's division, they were featuring women in the ring, but maybe a whole lot in our wrestling. And I actually felt like, you know, Impact or team at the time. The first one that actually had, you know, legit women's wrestling. And I thought the knockouts division naming of that was kind of like a, a way to stand out. you be like, no, this isn't just going to be pretty girls in the ring, you know, dressed up as wrestlers this is gonna be actual girls in the ring wrestling. So uh, I do, I would rather say it the same, because I don't see it being anything degrading whatsoever. And there's the history and the nostalgia behind it. But at the same time, you know, I thought it was like the best women's division when it first started. And as you, it's been said multiple times throughout this media uh, interview. It's been known as the best women's division right now, too. So I think it's kind of cool and makes it uh, different, and stand out, and unique. And I, I mean, again, I don't see if there's any reason
16: to change it. All right, great. Thank you, guys, for the answers. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we're going to be able to actually
9: squeeze in two more here. So let's go to Steve Bryant. Steve, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks
10: for taking my question. Let's go ahead. Hey, um, First question for Scott, uh, you guys have done a lot to improve the, uh, um, I guess the status of impact, uh, from what it was, um, it's got a lot of positive fan feedback lately, but maybe the
4: one negative kind of hanging over the company still is the uh, killer cross situation. Has there been any movement on resolving that?
10: Sorry, I didn't hear the question. There completely cut out. Um, has there been
11: any movement on resolving the situation was, with Killer Cross? Why, How well, come your Wikipedia said in the fifth grade, you called the Junkyard Dog. Hello? So
0: sorry, <laughs> you can
10: repeat that one more time, sir, I'm sorry.
4: Yeah. yeah, has there been any, uh, movement on resolving the situation with Killer Cross is basically my question. Oh,
10: gotcha. Yeah, we uh, as a rule we don't uh, comment on contract situations publicly. Um, Kevin is a talented performer, and uh, we keep uh, you know happy to an open dialogue on anything. So, I mean, ultimately, I'll leave that to be resolved between parties behind closed doors. But um, you know, his time here was was good. If he something can be worked out for him to return, he's a he's a great character and performer. Good. And I have a question for Brian and Taya as well. Uh, you guys work bar wrestling regularly. Is
4: there anyone that you see there that you think would be a great fit for Impact? Oh,
13: <laughs> the first name right, right when you asked that for sure. Jake Atlas is, is phenomenal. I would love to see him. Uh, I think I think mean, he was at one Vegas tapings before, but he would be great to be part of uh, Impact. But I mean, the whole bar roster is pretty pretty uh, pretty phenomenal as
12: a whole and i would think as lit for women i would say heather monroe for sure okay good thank you
4: guys
9: great thanks steve and our last question here is going to come from najir chambers najir
11: are you there sam can you hear me yes go ahead with your question right on so brian uh also really phenomenal main event um at bound for glory this past week um, a lot of social media was really buzzing about your entrance, um, con- uh, uh, your entrance attire and gear. And everyone knows that you're a really big comic book fan. And I know a lot about that character as well, but I, I, I think coming back from the injury, I, um, I think there's a, probably a bigger meaning to why you select that iteration of Wolverine for this big main event. I, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about, uh, the, the person who made your gear and why was this your selection?
13: Uh, well, you know, I, I have the machine moniker I have this Wolverine moniker um, And I have the entrance gear um, Like the machine one done at the beginning of the year and I wanted to have some sort of Wolverine-esque uh, inspired one um, I actually uh, went through a couple different um, ideas and I was like, you know, it's just a weapon X thing and uh, Guy DM Neeson, who makes shirts actually done the Impact Wrestling Pros and Tees. Hey, man, I came up with the design um it was, you know, it was what Mantra's gear was, got inspired by it, which was Weapon X, but it kind of had like a own little flare to it, He called it Weapon Cage. And uh, then my guy, Johnny Bilson who made the, uh, the Terminator-esque outfit that I wore earlier, and he also did um some, some costume work for me before this fan film for Batman and for He-Man and stuff. He does a really good job. Um, he made it for me. I actually had it done back in like June or so, and I just like, I'm going to hold off until Bound for Glory. Obviously, I didn't know you know what uh what, what what unveil everything as far as my injury and being out and you know the story on Sammy Callahan and yada yada. I had no idea any of that would take place. That's just all kinda happened. But uh but no it was it was pretty exciting and uh uh especially as far as uh the the killer instinct if you will that Sammy put me to and then also just being able to uh come back and recover and be healed from my injury uh Wolverine. So and I'm I'm back hundred percent ready to rock and roll.
11: Right on, right on. Appreciate that. <laughs> Um, and this is a question for uh, any of you all. As my final question is: So uh, we, we uh, in the beginning of this conference call, a lot of emphasis on intergender wrestling. Now, with how society may not really receive such, and I'm a big a big fan of the independence. Um, and um, obviously, both of your both of the champions have worked intergender wrestling all over the world. Um, why was this decision for Impact to really take something that's you know it could be controversial in some eyes? And you know, making big moves as to moving to Access TV, why was this a risk that you know you got you was willing to take in for for uh, the talent? But backing, did you guys provide to the company overhead to say like we really should do this? Scott, <laughs>
12: if
11: you lose Scott oh, again.
10: Guys, I'm sorry to cut out there. Can
11: you repeat that? Oh, quickly, quickly, uh, Scott, um, just the the emphasis on intergender wrestling was something that's being very controversial for some all over the world. Why was this a risk that Impact was willing to take? Um, Obviously, moving to another network as well, but why was this a risk that you was willing to take, and what type of reassurance did you get from your talent and so forth, knowing uh, from, obviously, your champions who've worked intergender? All over the world that this was the decision that needs to go forward and impact need to be the staple of indigent wrestling
10: well i mean i guess first and foremost like i said it's it's kind of shocking that here you know late into 2019 that we're we're really talking about how it's a risk to let men and women go out there and, and perform on equal footing we've always done that separately but with a lot of the changes and evolutions of, of things and as I talked about needing to evolve or to, to pay the consequences, it's something that, that, that fans have grown to, to have an interest in and Impact Wrestling has throughout its history always went out there and tried to find uh, ways to present professional wrestling that it's not being presented on other major platforms and go out there and champion that cause and in talking with our talent um, overwhelmingly is in support of it. Um, there's certainly some females, uh, you know, some knockouts that, that prefer not to, and we, of course, respect that. But for the ones that want to take part in this, we think this is an opportunity to, again, show that we continue to break down all barriers, whether they're size barriers with the X Division, whether they're uh, gender barriers with the knockouts. We can tear those barriers down. Um, and when you look at athletes like Tessa Blanchard, and Tessa Valkyrie, and how do you look at an athlete like this and say that they can't compete in a pro wrestling genre environment on equal footing with men? Like I, I'm pretty confident that if we put Taya out there against in a fight against the majority of the men, let's take pro wrestling aside, let's put out there in a street fight on the road <laughs> or in a parking lot, and I think she's going to take up the majority of men because she's 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 strong, she's powerful, and she's skilled. So if she's skilled as a professional wrestler as well why can't we showcase athletes like that together so for me as far as for the risk i don't think it's a risk i think it would be a risk to not do it it's a risk to do a disservice to athletes that i've seen since being involved in the knockouts division from day one i've seen athletes on the female side be marginalized strictly because of their gender and i don't think that it's a i don't think that it's a risk to go out there and present one strong powerful talented athlete against another strong, powerful, talented athlete. And to continue to have a discussion about that is something that we're going to continue to push until all of a sudden, you know, at some point, it just becomes a common understanding that that's part of pro wrestling, guys. Athletes compete against athletes and let them go out there and perform. We are not out there in a strict athletic competition, guys, I don't think I'm spilling any secrets. We're out there presenting com- and telling compelling stories with with characters, with, with, with depth that connect with people. And why would we ever limit who we can interact in those stories? That's my opinion. And I think that's something that all of us at Impact Wrestling feel pretty strongly about.
11: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. there's no doubt you can hear the passion in your voice about that.
3: Thank you very much, Justin, for joining me for the news at the top of the show. Thank you to Raj, DDP, Scott Demore, Impact Wrestling, Brian Cage, Taya Valkyrie, and if you're listening to this right now, it's been it's we're at like almost the three hour mark, I think, because of how long the audio was today. Uh, so thank you for sticking around. Uh, if you uh, enjoy this show, come back this Saturday night, or if you if you enjoy Wrestling Inc., I should say, uh, go come back this Saturday night. MLW's presenting Saturday Night Super Fight in Chicago. We'll have live coverage on the site. I will be at Cicero Stadium covering it on uh, on site i'm supposed to be talking to court bauer later this week about the show and we're going to be getting more interviews there as well so a lot of coverage for mlw this weekend we'll be back tomorrow with the winkley i've got my interview with rikishi uh, we also have brian wool's interview with scott demore more demore you know it's, it's a big week for impact here we got two interviews with demore we're gonna roll them both out uh and if you like this show you like all the post shows you like everything we do go over our wrestling inc audio channel on iTunes five star ratings nice comments all that stuff is greatly appreciated Justin what do you want to plug quote put over here to wrap up the show today
1: that's us on the awesome. bar give me an old follow
3: awesome I'm at wink Rebel over on Twitter thank you so much for tuning in and remember if you winked you didn't miss it